Let's not use up all our material. Okay, I'm ready. I would never use up all my material. I can talk for hours about anything. Give me a topic and I'll go. Doritos. Oh, man, have you ever had... Welcome to episode 15 of Beam Me to Sick Bay. We are talking about season two, episode three, uh, Elementary Dear Data, and season two, episode four, The Outrageous Akana, today. I'm your host, Mira, and I'm here with McFreeze. Hello. And Hayes. Hey, I'm Hayes. I don't really care for Doritos that much. That's me. Oh, I forgot Aww. to check emails also. So oh. you talk about Doritos while I look at the emails. So we were talking about Doritos earlier, and mm-hmm. I was I, and at first I was positing that you know Cool Ranch Doritos don't get on your hands as much. Then Merck pointed out, you know, this is a very good point that like if anything, it's even a bit dustier and more obnoxious because you can't see it on your hands as well, and like you can just like fucking touch something and then like fuck up some black fabric or something, and you don't notice until it's too late because you just like it's really hard, really difficult to see that like nacho dust on your hands. See, I. I no, I, I definitely it. agree with that. I, I, my memory of having dust on my hands is definitely much stronger with the Cool Ranch. Yeah, and I feel I just, it too. Like I don't. It's not just that it's stealth, but it's like your hands just feel dirty mm-hmm. after you've eaten them. Less so with with a uh, nacho cheese for me, in my experience. The problem for me with both nacho cheese and uh, and Cool Ranch Doritos is just that I don't think either tastes very good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're free from the Dorito curse, then. I really like nacho cheese Doritos. Oh, but I have a much worse curse. I'm a I'm a Cheeto fiend. And you want to talk, about, a, shit you want, oh. you want to talk about shit that gets on your hands? Yeah. Cheetos are the fucking worst. I thought you were going to say Doritos 3D. I, you know I, what, I really, what I really like are the uh, the cheddar cheese and sour cream uh, Pringles. Or not Pringles, uh, Ruffles. Ruffles. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Ruffles, those are yeah. really, I that's the Ruffles. best flavor of a chip. Those are delicious. Yo, give me a ridged chip any day. Those things. Really All the ones with the package being green. Those are the best ones. Mm. I can't think of the package coloring. I just know the chips are delicious. Anyway, Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> we, we did not have any emails, it turns out. So if you have mm. any emails, you should email us at beamweetosickbay at gmail.com. Email us your favorite uh, Dorito flavor. No other comments in the email. Oh, and I should note, too, that uh, we did not mean to take a week break between seasons, but it just happened because of uh, hardware difficulties. Like, my computer was exploding, uh, so I couldn't put the show together in time. So we're like, yeah, let's just delay it by a week because we're between seasons anyway. So that's why there was no episode a couple weeks ago. But there was an episode last week, and hopefully you listened to it because we got a good episode out about two really bad episodes. And today we're going to have a question mark episode about two really good episodes. Yeah. It'll mm-hmm. be good, probably, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, or else it'll be ironic. It could be I, ironic, and then that will be something anyway. So I liked both of these episodes. Uh, one was definitely much stronger than the other. Um, but even even the second one, the Okana episode, I thought I, I appreciated I appreciated it for what it was. Um, I thought the like the main plot wasn't like terribly interesting, but I like Okana himself. I think he's a fun character. Um, yeah, I I, it, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> and uh and for the 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 first episode we're gonna be talking about here is just like a straight up like the far and away the best episode we've watched on the show so far like it's it's not even close compared to anything else <laughs> yeah he was watching it for the first time like on wednesday and he just posted on our in our discord where we record on like guys this is the best episode like by far it's <laughs> not even close like what he just said he just posted and it's like yeah i just think i just like anytime they show me data acting. 
I'm like, yes, give me more of that. Why are you not showing me that all the time? Keep showing data acting. I want well, it. You got that in both episodes tonight. We got some yeah. good data, data stuff in both episodes. That's why it was so good. It, it's a good. And uh, honestly, hey, the show gets better. Like, this is not. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I was relieved to hear you say that, though, because it's like, yeah, now you're seeing the show is actually much better than season one can ever possibly let you believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, season one sucked. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, so should we talk about... Uh, oh, how you guys been, by the way? How, how's uh, how's it been this last uh, couple weeks? Hmm. Nothing too much going on. going on. Just doing work, doing... Studying some stuff. Uh, nothing, nothing too exciting going on right now. Been uh, getting in some FF14 class quests. Uh, uh, besides that, you know, nothing, nothing too exciting. Gotta do those class quests. Gotta get those... Get those class skills. I'm still, I'm still working on that Elden Ring. I'm only 130 hours in. And well, I, I have, beat it at, I have, at 130 hours. I have so. much more to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I beat it then. So you got to step it up. Uh, although I didn't do a lot of the stuff in my first run through, um, but I've also beat it twice now. By the way, <laughs> I oh, 100 percent only. Thank you. I'm addicted to this fucking game. I've also been watching uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. I just got to book three, and it's really good. Oh. I have never seen that. Hmm. It's very good. It's on the Netflix. It's very easy. It's a it's a easy, breezy watch. I would highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. It's something, like, if you have, like, a... You have a second monitor, right? You could probably mm-hmm. just, like, put that on while you're playing, like, Elden Ring or something. You can just kind of I, I can't. Go. I can't really do that while I'm playing games. I'm, I'm really bad about watching shows while I'm playing games. Unless it's something I super don't want to pay any attention to. But there's not really like anything I want to watch that I do that with. Like Star Trek, actually, I used to do that with because I've just seen it so much that I don't really need to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of listen to it as like a radio play. But I, I can't like split my visual attention that much. I gotcha. That's just a, it's a problem with me. But anyway, so we're going to be talking about uh, elementary dear data here. Let me read the read the specs of this one. Uh, this first aired on December 5th, 1988. And it was written by Brian Allen Lane, directed by uh, who was it directed by? Hayes, take a guess. Oh, I have this as my first note in all caps. My <laughs> fucking dude, best episode of the show so far. Rob fucking Bowman. Let's go. <laughs> directed Get by Rob yeah. Bowman. And universe date is four two two eight six point three. Uh, soul year twenty three sixty five. And this is the one where, in an attempt to create a challenging puzzle for Data in the holodeck, Jordy accidentally makes a sentient AI. Yeah, it keeps I, happening. It keeps happening. If you ask me, uh, the people that program uh, the stuff on the Enterprise suck at their job in terms of, like, safety restraints. Dude, I wrote down, like, why? What, what the hell have they done with this Enterprise? Everything is linked to everything else. All, there are no isolated systems and just some guy who doesn't even exist can say yeah i'm controlling the ship now well he's a very smart guy that doesn't exist so you know he figured it out he puzzled it out uh no i really like um i like emergent ai stories in general uh right uh, like fallout 4 <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, so I really like that aspect of this episode, but also we just get like, um, remember how in the big goodbye in season one, the best part of that episode was just that, that we were in a cool setting and we had the costumes and stuff. And, yeah. and like now this is we have that, but also we've got a good sci fi story going on, too. So it's like, whoa, it's all overloaded. Whoa. 
we got we got more than one good thing in the show. It's crazy. This it's isn't crazy. season one anymore. We got all, and Pulaski is like the least awful she's been so far, which is uh still yeah. bad, but not oh. as bad. So okay, I actually like how Pulaski is used in this episode because she's essentially like the uh the secondary villain of the episode, right? Where she's the kind of she's the obstacle that Data is trying to get over in terms of like proving himself. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't call so? that a, I wouldn't call that a villain. Uh, she she kind of antagonizes him a little bit. She kind of pushes the plot forward, but I wouldn't call her a villain. I'm sorry, I gotta, I, I I'm getting some villain, static. Just just like uh, you, just you literally said villain. Oh, I meant to say antagonist. I'm sorry, <laughs> okay. but. <laughs> But okay, yeah. No, but to me, she was like the kind of like secondary antagonist of the uh, of the episode, where she was there to kind of act as like the you know the 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 reason for Data to try and like really prove himself, and obviously why things are out of control. But like she she work she makes more sense as kind of like this mean character. If like, and you know, you can say like, well, why are they making the female Doctor like you know this fucking evil not evil but like jerk the entire time like you can say like that that's bad writing in terms of like how they're using their female characters but like in that role i think she is working well at least oh i liked her in this episode just because uh she's actually treating data more like a human in some aspects like she actually like treats him head on and with respect more so than when she was just pretending like he wasn't there and talking about him like he was an unliving machine right Uh, she's still a little bad about that but not as bad but also i have a couple of things to respond to to what you just said one Making female characters be uh, bitches is good sometimes. Like you don't want to do right. like a stereotypical bitch, but it, but women have the same range of the human experience as men. So you don't want to just say like, no, women have to be nice or people are going to write no, us. that's not what I mean. I'm sorry. No, I was just thinking about, you know, how recently there was drama people uh, were saying because somebody posted an article saying they have to fix the bad mom problem on King of the Hill if they're going to make that show right. work, calling Peggy a bad mom. And it's like, she has character flaws. She's not a bad mom. <laughs> you know, that's like, you don't have every woman on tv does not have to be a perfect paragon of representation of women so like that's worse that's more sexist i so, sorry yeah. it's so pop and, and, and i actually man king of the hill is such a touchy subject with like some of that stuff because people always act that like peggy's also the only one that ever does anything wrong and hank's always right in every situation on that show See, that's them being sexist, though, because that's obviously not true. Like, watch the damn show. Hank's a fucking moron. He fucks up all the time. No, I mean, Uh, I've been seeing, like, lately, like, there's just been, like, sometimes you'll see people uh, say things like, oh, this, this show has a bad character or one that is, you know, is, like, evil and doing doing bad stuff we gotta cancel this show because you're not allowed to have bad people in it you know yeah yeah there's a lot of identity politics in shows nowadays where people see one character who's who's obviously flawed and and perfect and they say like no this is an example of the show being bad and imperfect and it's like no just the character they're just having a bad character on the show there was a there was a big dust up about something like that specifically and i can't remember what it was there's a big dust up about that with um ff14 i remember with uh i forget you guys both did shadowbringers right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so with like everyone's like oh well you can't like emmett selk because he's a nazi basically and he's 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 a he's a future space nazi and if you like him you're an evil asshole and it's just like stuff like that 
That's, uh, well, call me an evil asshole then because that character rules. Like, <laughs> you like know, he's a great can, character. It's evil like, character there's yeah. all moral failings of like a character that's like really yeah. charismatic in a fictional, like, you know, story. <laughs> like, come on. He's obviously. Complex characters are good. We should have more complex characters. So that part of Pulaski is good. But you know, I also wanted to bring up to you the other thing was a friend of mine who listens to the podcast was telling me uh, that he got he got mad that we were uh, riven or uh, sub hard on uh, Pulaski and hated her so much because he was saying that uh, she's just female bones. Like what they did was take the character of Bones from the original series and basically put her into Pulaski. He mm. said that she broke the glass ceiling of uh, now now uh, women can be Doctor McCoy's as well. Because <laughs> that's what it is. Because I guess Dr. McCoy was really racist against Spock in that entire show. So they just brought that character personality into her and had it for her pointing it at Data. Um, and that's why she's like that. And I, and I that I thought it never occurred to me because I'd never watched the original series. But it's like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's still stupid and she's awful, but <laughs> it makes sense. I don't know. Hayes, yeah. you're, you're an uh, original series expert having watched two episodes. What do you think? Uh, I've I've only watched two episodes still, and I haven't really seen that aspect quite yet uh, of Bones being really racist to Spock all the time. Um, I guess we'd have to watch more. Again, the last episode I watched was of a child from an abandoned space station turning women into reptiles and disappearing people. So <laughs> my uh my my uh my view on that is a little skewed at the moment. I'll have to dig more into there. <laughs> I gotta watch that show sometimes. Actually, it sounds good with with that description of an episode. Like that sounds entertaining. It's wild fucking television. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Oh, okay. Well, let's wild. Less wild is we have uh, the the next generation here. So we should probably talk about this episode. <laughs> we got we got off off base a little bit, but that's okay. Um, where, where, where we start in this episode? We have the captain's log. The Enterprise has arrived early for a rendezvous with the Victory, and it's just holding position and wait. And Data has been uh, called to engineering by Jordy urgently. Um, because Jordy wants to show him his model ship of the Victory, and he's like, "This is not a starship." And Jordy's like, That's "No, true. yeah, this is the original Victory. I made it as a present for their captain, who I used to work with." And he just shows us this model ship that he lovingly built by hand. And Data's like, "You built this by hand? Why?" <laughs> yeah, it's like four feet tall model it's ship. Huge, he's it's giant, a- and I'm yelling "nerd" at Jordy through the TV. He got really into it. He's like looking at it. He's like, yeah, it was making me think how real ships have sails and wind and that would be the best. And Data's mm. like, whatever. Uh, you it's said like, my message Jord- was urgent. Jordy's like, yeah, I'm I'm dreaming of rigging sails. And I'm just thinking, man, that would be a lot of hard work. That would suck. I don't yeah. want to do that. No. Jordy even says that like it's not about wanting to actually do it. It's just the idea of something that's like long gone by and you never had a really chance to interact with. That's what's like attractive to him more so than like the actual, you, you know, wanting to. It, it, that's more what attracts him rather than the idea of actually doing it himself. Yeah, and it is romantic, but also it's like, dude, you, you're on the freaking spaceship. Like, you, you, your life is so cool. <laughs> you have it so good, my dude. <laughs> Could you imagine being on a fucking ship? That would suck. It'd be it hot. Would It'd suck. Be, you, get, you get like a cannonball hits you and you get killed by a bunch of splinters flying in your face. You know what no. I mean? Man, I, I got scurvy again. Well, <laughs> it's not even that. Like, you're just, you're at sea for like, what, four months or something doing it's fucking so nothing. So you have nothing. Oh. 
Well, they're on a mission here for years on the Enterprise, and every time they every every time they try to go on vacation, an episode of the show starts happening. (laughs) (laughs) See, they have the holodeck, and that that transitions us to the next part where Jordy says, "Hey, we should go to the holodeck." Uh, You know, I've lived out my dream of building this ship, which was a dream for some reason. You should have your dream of being (laughs) Sherlock Holmes, and I'll be your Watson. And he is so excited. He's like, "Yeah." He's so happy. He, he he's so excited. He he goes immediately into the Holmes accent, or at least what he imagines the Holmes accent to be. It's, and, yeah, he hops into character immediately. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> and Jordy's like, um, you, you know, watch my ship. We'll be back. And uh, he's talking to like this uh, this female engineer, and she's like, "Well, Jordy, where where are you going?" And, and, and fucking Data just says, "We're off to twenty. What is it? Twenty one B Baker Street. Two twenty one B Baker Street." Oh, it's so good. It is. Uh, I really like his his Sherlock character, and he's very good at staying in character throughout yes. this episode. Um, he's such a dork. I love him. I love them. I love the this, this dorky friendship that they have is so cute. Um, and this first scene too, they they go to the holodeck in costume. Data's in the fucking Sherlock Holmes house coat <laughs> with his pipe. Yeah, he's um, got a smoking jacket. Yeah, it's a smoking so jacket. Smoke. That's what it is. And um, <laughs> and uh, Jordy's in his Watson costume. And they go into Sherlock's house, and the, the the set is really cool. Like it is a good representation of of Sherlock's house. Like somebody who made this show is a very big Sherlock Holmes fan, I think, because they really like went into the details and and got all the stuff. And they're actually going around the room pointing out, like, uh, Jordy asks him, "So all of this stuff uh, wasn't meaningless, right? It all had a purpose to to Holmes." And um, and Data's like, "Yeah, everything he collected was from something of significance to him." And he's like, "This hat pin was was from this mystery, and this book he used to solve the code in this mystery." And and Jordy asks him what he should do as Watson, uh, and um, Data tells him that that Watson's job was really to just uh, document everything that Sherlock Holmes didn't said for later <laughs> publication, which is true. I mean, that's basically what he did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Jordy's like man. Deal, I thought Watson's deal was more that like he would handle like the medical side of things almost. Uh, he did, yeah. He was there for medical uh, reference, but I think pretty sure Sherlock knew more than him. Mm, sorry, more, more than about <laughs> everything, and he was really just like he was the one that was daring the books. Yeah. Like he was the narrator, yes. so that he was the one writing it down. It was his journal. So what they do is uh, Data picks up Holmes's violin and starts playing it, and uh, Jordy picks up Watson's journal and starts like <laughs> writing down him <laughs> narrating he's Data writing, playing the violin. He's writing so poetically. I didn't know Jordy's been a book writer all this time. I know. He writes fast too. Like, is he just scribbling and pretending to write? I can't tell because he's just like in <laughs> his hand at a rapid speed. Uh, and he stops at one point to say, "Data, that's really good. Your violin playing." And and uh, Data's like, he's just, "I'm just throwing myself into the character, my dear doctor," or something like that. I don't remember what he said, but it was good. It's a good scene. It's cute. Uh, and Data, it's, it's really cool. It's crazy that they like they really deck out this entire room head to fucking toe. And we see it for all of like five minutes, maybe. Yeah, they never use it again in this episode. It's it owns. I'm, I'm I love that they put that much uh, level of detail put, into this. They put into this so set. much into I this know. entire show. You can really look at everything. Is they like you know? There's all the stuff they look at, but there's like so much stuff they they don't look at, like all these like figures and books everywhere, and just like the room is obviously like just made of the times. It's like 
it's really 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 impressive it looks awesome yeah i'm sure someone who was actually a, a holmes fan and knows this stuff would be able to look around the room and be like oh yeah that's that and that's that and that's that and i know that's only because i've seen enough sherlock holmes based properties that that room like i've known that room that's sherlock holmes fucking house you know <laughs> well have you not watched uh have you did you watch sherlock or did you watch the um i didn't watch the it. movies starring the guy i would uh, never watch Man. anything the only the only uh sherlock thing i've watched is that meme of him doing the uh discombobulated (laughs) (laughs) sherlock is actually a pretty entertaining show but that scene really makes me laugh well okay okay i i guess there's both discombobulate and also the scene of fucking uh what's his face dr strange uh sherlock holmes (laughs) <laughs> yes. Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch of him doing mind magic. I'm yeah. sure you know what I'm talking about, where he's yeah, like mind placing palace. his thoughts in the like bubbles. <laughs> on That's the when he screen. goes to the mind palace. Yeah, the yeah. mind palace. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you should have seen how it was written in the original book. Oh, I, I made that up. Okay, I was going to say it probably <laughs> made a lot more sense in the original book. It's probably a lot less stupid. I, I, I've never read a I've never read a Sherlock Holmes. I think maybe in high school I may have read one actually, but that was so long ago and I, and I don't really remember too well. Yeah, I've never read any of them. I just have watched. Uh, I watched the show for the first couple seasons, and I watched I think the first uh, Robert Downey Jr. movie, maybe the second, maybe both. I'm not sure, but I have seen Sherlock Holmes based properties. Mm-hmm. I've so, seen and, and this, this room looks very familiar. Trek. Yeah, and this is this is Sherlock Holmes' house. You can tell from this episode of Star Trek. Um, so uh, Data then tells Jordy that they have company at the door, and he hears a knock at the door. Uh, and it, he says, "It's uh, let the inspector in." It's Inspector Lestrade. Um, and they're they're talking to Lestrade, and Lestrade's telling him, "Like, oh, we need you urgently, Holmes. So this this guy was robbed." And he responds, and I didn't write down what he responds as. He's he's still in the character of Sherlock Holmes. And Jordy just Data, did Holmes really talk like that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> he he does this so often where like Jordy will ask uh, Data a question in the middle of him like doing a big spiel as like Sherlock, and they will just quickly break character. Like, oh yes, Sher- uh, Sherlock certainly talks like this quite often, <laughs> <laughs> and then he just cuts right back in. He's he's a pro at it. He's really good at just going in and out of character. Um, and then, uh, so Lestrade's telling him that this guy that he's with was robbed by gypsies and they urgently need his help. And they stole a photograph from him and Data immediately just stands up from the chair and like rips the guy's coat open and the photo's there. And he's like, aha, this, this guy is not actually with the Bohemian embassy. He's working against them as a rebel and he was going to use his photo as blackmail. And Jordy just really gets pissed off like right away and, and freezes the program and like walks out. <laughs> I think this is a little going overboard here. You don't need to be so mad at him. You well, just, it was like, very mad. Usually, usually they like data does something weird and they just like explain to him why that was weird. Time he's like, I'm fed up. I'm not fucking doing this shit. <laughs> I, I think I think in theory, uh the way you're supposed to think of it is that like they only have so much free time on the ship. They're working most hours of the day. And like they reserve this time and they this is like a special time where like you know they're really truly just waiting around waiting for this other ship to show up before they continue their future duties and jordy was really looking forward to this forward to this especially i'm sure as like you know the head of engineering is like i really gotta like cut out a lot of time out of my out of my day i might not get this chance again i'm gonna have this special thing for data 
and then data just fucking like reigns over Jordy's parade Jordy like plan this all out and it's like ending in minutes because data just has every story memorized it makes sense to me why yeah he, he just met off. he metagames yeah. it super hard and he actually Jordy kind of explains that what Hayes just said uh when they're talking in 10 forward afterwards and Jordy tells him like like what was the point of that you know there's no fun if there's no game involved um and they also like mentions too, like we got in costume and everything, man. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you're in ten forward, still in costume, by the way. <laughs> well, they went right to get a drink afterwards. You know what happens? Uh, so he was he was looking forward to the mystery. He explains to Data, and and Data's like, well, was that not what we were doing? I was solving the mystery, and uh, Pulaski happens to be nearby. Yay! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was waiting for the crowd to boo as she entered. <laughs> She's like over uh, eavesdropping at them at, at another table, and she tells uh, Jordy like, oh, "There's no point." And they're trying to explain to him, "He's just a computer. He doesn't fucking know. <laughs> he doesn't understand this stuff." Uh, I, I, I like when she like leans into it and isn't just like passively mean against the data. When she's just like full on like mean mode, it's great. I think this this scene in particular, she's like. In a movie where everyone's at summer camp and she's from the evil rival summer camp. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, yeah. yes. It was she's like the that. Cordelia. She's the Cordelia of this. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> data's Buffy. Uh, were we talking about that before we started recording or after? Because I can't remember. That was before. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, audience. We were talking about Buffy. Um, so Pulaski explains to Data, though, that uh, for victory to be thrilling, you have to have the fear of losing. And he doesn't have that because he just knows everything. Uh, which I don't think is true. I'm going to call them bullshit on this. I don't think he knows everything, but they're acting like he does. Uh, but she she goes on to say that, like, this is how humans learn by failing and overcoming their failures. But you just learn by rote memorization. That's all you can do. Like, you have no chance of solving a Sherlock Holmes mystery that you have not read. And Jordy's like, no, wait a minute. That That's doesn't not- sound right at all. It's not so. right at all. Data, <laughs> they, they say the data uses, like, neural nets to get all, a lot of his answers, which means that involves failure. And he has to yeah. account for that in his network and like that that doesn't that doesn't make any sense but right. and Jordy, Jordy says that too that one of data's strengths is a deductive reasoning and Pulaski's like oh well just like Holmes but just unlike Holmes he has no understanding of human nature so he has no chance of ever solving these mysteries and Jordy's like you're being unfair like, what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> but Pulaski um keeps this claim up and, and Jordy's like well why don't we test this uh, why don't we have the computer construct a new Holmes mystery for data to solve and uh data's like yeah let's do that you can come along, Doctor. You can witness this. And she's like, I'd be glad to. So they go back to the holodeck. And this time Data has a different costume. I love that he has multiple Sherlock Holmes costumes. Yeah. I but was wondering just... about that. I, w- I didn't even notice. I-, I didn't notice that like directly. But like part of my brain was thinking, like, Data looks different. Yeah, I- he's I got the... he a different costume on. He has the the classic deer hunter uh, Sherlock Holmes hat and like the the coat uh, that you see in in most Sherlock Holmes pictures. And then Plasky's think... also there in like a nineteenth century outfit. Do you think Data just has all every Sherlock Holmes costume in his closet? Yeah, he was been waiting for this day. He's, he just dresses up as Sherlock Holmes in his free time in his in his room to himself and looks in the mirror and does Sherlock Holmes. That's why he's so good at being in the character. Yeah, he's practiced. But they uh they enter the they ask the computer to construct this mystery for them um based on Holmes but not a but a new Holmes story, and so Pulaski and they also like they do this and the computer's really bad at doing this. I want to jump ahead and say what the fuck computer? Because like, it's trying. Okay. It just mashes I, together elements of different Holmes stories apparently. You're me, asking that is like the most honest version of what a computer would actually yeah, do. You're <laughs> asking the computer a lot here. 
You're asking to just write an entire new novel accurately in the words of another person. That's not possible. That's not going to fucking happen anytime no, soon. No, that is possible, though. Like, we have that technology now. Why can't this computer in the 24th century but, do this? Well, no. Our, what, our, what our technology does now is similar to what this computer is doing, where it's just basically mashing different elements of a thing together to kind of recreate something that would be similar you know similar to you know the a, a new property of like what it knew yeah it's, it's and, like and so it's not this any... is obviously a bit more just like maybe too literal a thing of like element of story a element of story b together in one thing that's maybe a bit blunt of a way of doing it but like honestly i like the, I, I like the idea of that's how the computer would think to make a new story yeah just it, this makes sense to me is like it does the computer does not fully understand uh the assignment but it's doing its best <laughs> yes that yeah. reminds me of college <laughs> <laughs> um so they enter into the streets of london which is also a really good set because we get like they've got the dirt streets and they've got a horse-drawn carriage going by and they've got a guy mcfreeze who's uh who's yelling in the background oh pie man as, pie he, man as, is yelling. as noted in the credits he's like <laughs> We got pies for sale, fruit <laughs> pies, meat pies. We got some, them all. Some are meat, some are sweet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's a good line. And then an urchin runs by them and someone's like, hey, stop him. He stole my goods. But Data's like, no, that's just a ploy. And he takes them over to a doorway and he has deduced that uh, he, there's like a man walking up and he's like, that man is going to be murdered because <laughs> he is with this agency. And I saw this door plaque here that says so and so. And so if I ring this bell and then it's, like he rings the bell and a fucking snake falls from, <laughs> from the ceiling. <laughs> and uh, Pulaski's just, just good like a detective he is. Yeah, and Pulaski's just is like, fraud, you're just remembering pieces of Holmes' mysteries and putting them together. And he's like, is that not deduction? I'm just <laughs> fucking deduce it. Where is the lie? <laughs> he won the game. Uh, and uh, she tells Jordy, like, well, I was right. See, it is not capable of original thought. All he has is his memory. And Jordy's like, hang on, hang on. This is the computer's fault. We're going to fix this. So he, he jumps over to defend his friend and they go over to call an archway. But they're being watched from the shadows by a man. A dastardly uh, man. A I, dastardly I, man in shadows. So whenever I said I thought the holodeck was uh, poorly programmed, why would you not do like the US world thing where hologram people cannot just like not see real world elements? They normally yeah. can't. I don't know why he can in this scene because it makes sense later, like what what happens next. But right now but it, happens he can before, it. it happens before. It happens before. Yeah, he's he's happens. looking at it before the thing happens. Yeah, I think that might have just been a writing whoopsie because normally they cannot do that kind of stuff. You yeah. know, interesting. Well, <laughs> well, think about it. The um in the uh, in the big goodbye, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, you know, the evil gangster. He's, he was able to uh, see the door, and he was able to go through it, even. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I caught myself because, in a... That's because he's uh, had a very high power level, you see. Oh, yeah, actually, and, and actually, that would make sense, because the entire holodeck was on the fritz, and things were just kind of haywire all, all over the place. Yeah. It, it makes sense, and it doesn't. I think a lot of things about that, about think, that episode oh, did not was... make sense. <laughs> I know. Okay. I have the explanation. It's because Wesley was fucking around with it. <laughs> it's Wesley! Uh, ideally, though, I, you're right that that's how the characters in the holodeck do act normally. Uh, I think the writers of the show are just not consistent in realizing that quite yet. They haven't quite uh, pieced together. That's how that the fucking program should work. 
it, it also could have been like an editing mistake, like an editor put put in the scene of him seeing the arch too soon or something. That could be too, yeah. Yeah, yeah that could be. But because he does definitely notice the arch. Uh, but Jordy then asks the computer to create a Holmesian style mystery to confound data with an opponent who can defeat him. And the computer's like, I need some parameters here. And uh, uh he's like, just just make a really smart opponent that can just uh defeat commander data, capable of defeating commander data. This is and, a very weird thing. Like, is there going to be a guy who's, like, you say <laughs> defeat data? Is there going to be a guy who's just really big and can beat up data? <laughs> you got to be more specific. You really do, but the computer does its best. And uh, on the bridge, we see Worf noticing uh, an odd surge of power, but then it's gone. Weird. Um, hmm. Back that's to the just, holiday. Don't, don't worry. That's just the ship making life. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, and then the arch vanishes and the three just return to walk on about London, which is slightly different now. Uh, Pulaski observes it's the same London, but slightly different. Uh, we, we traded a pie man for a piano is the main difference I noticed. Was mm. there a piano? I noticed there was a lot of drunk people walking around and a lot of prostitutes and all of a sudden. There, there was happy. also you, you could hear like in a, in a bar or something nearby. of just like. Doo, 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 doo. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think they were just mm. outside of a bar or tavern or something because uh, right. there were just a lot of drunk people and then also some prostitutes. And then there was also a prostitute that walks over to the man who was watching them and calls him professor and uh, says, oh, what are you looking at? And he's he's uh, I feel strange. I feel like a new man. Uh, he says, I saw that dark fellow over there. Call that arch. <laughs> I was like, dude, OK. Um, well, it's nineteenth century London, you know. I guess, I guess. Um, so the professor then walks over and he calls the computer for the arch, like Jordy has, and it it just pulls up, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And the computer, like it likes to do, helpefully tells him how it works, what it's there for. <laughs> I hear it called user experience. Yeah, it's a it's a good user interface that it just explains to everybody, even if they're a nineteenth century fucking London villain, uh, <laughs> how they work. Uh, and it asks him if he has any commands, and he's like, "Not at this time." And it just vanishes. And the prostitute is just uh, screaming like, "It's dark magic, Moriarty!" And so the now we know the man. Sure. Oh my god, yeah, we know it's Why Moriarty he now because <laughs> he's evil. I guess Moriarty's evil. a bad guy. Is he? I don't. I haven't read the original book. Is he explicitly evil? Like yes. he likes to do things because they are evil. Yes, that's okay. Moriarty. He's not a okay. nice person. He's okay. a very bad man. All right. Uh, so Dina and Jordy are walking down the street, and Pulaski's fucked off somewhere. Like I don't know where she's supposed to be in the scene, but it's just them walking down the street, and they're looking for a mystery. Uh, but then they hear a scream, and they got their mystery. Pulaski has been abducted. Her shoe is like, I don't know how that shoe came off of her foot. Did you look at that shoe? It's got laces like all the way up. I didn't actually notice that. I just assumed it was like a high heel or something. The high is heels it... of the 19th century had laces. So I don't know I, how the fuck. I, I, I was looking that hard at it. That's, how did that shoe come off then? I don't know. <laughs> she was really struggling, I guess. Um, and Jordy thinks that she's just fucking with them, uh, which is a very reasonable thought. She's like, He's like, she's going to tell everybody from here to Alpha Centauri about this. And Data's like, no, she's been carried away by two men, a tall and a shorter one, one who's left-handed and works in a laboratory. <laughs> and Jordy's like, how do you know that? And Data's like, well. <laughs> and he explains all of his deductive reasoning. It's really, like, it's very elaborate and it makes sense. Because of the feet steps. My, my favorite part was the part where he's describing that he's obviously left-footed because um, he's obviously left-handed because he spun around on his left foot, and as he says that the the guy spun around, he does, he himself like this little spinner little spinner Rooney. Does it on his left foot or his right foot? 
Well, no, no, data. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't he could have been demonstrating. This. I didn't catch the spin. Yeah, but I was listening to him talk about how he knew he worked in a laboratory because there were scrapings of rubber, and only people who would have rubber soles in this time period were people who worked in an electrical lab. And it's like, dude, man, <laughs> you know a lot of shit. Hey, he's he's read all the books. He's read all the books. He knows his stuff, uh, but he's just. I, happy I guess my question here, though, is: Is this true? Data was saying, if you mainly use your left foot, you're left-handed, which in turn would mean if you mainly use your right foot, you're right-handed. Is that true? Do you guys feel like? I don't that think cor- that's true. I, I feel think, like that's not true. I think it's mostly true, but also I know that in um, high-level soccer, there's more, I think, left-footed players than you would expect. Interesting. So I think I, I I think it's not always true, but I think it's probably generally true. McFreeze is but, right. I googled it, and uh, uh, said, Psychology Today says that footedness and handedness are related in most people, but not every left-hander is also a left-footer. Interesting, because I, I definitely feel like my I, I'm one hundred thousand percent right-handed, but I feel like I'm more dominant with my left foot. See, I would say I'm more right-footed. I think my right foot is more dominant, so mm-hmm. it, it falls for me, I guess. My left side doesn't even work. It doesn't do anything. So it's parallel? very consistent. No, but, you know, I just I just can't. I cannot, like, write with my left hand at all or same eat yeah. food. <laughs> eat food with your left foot. Can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> McFreeze, I want you to uh, I want you to tap your belly and, and uh, rub your head at the same no, time. No, I can do that one. That's easy. Oh, you well, then you're fine. Get out of here. You just Why have to you... practice. You don't want to rub your head because your hair's going to get all tangled. You got to pat your head and rub your belly. You got backwards haste. I see. I'm sorry. I'm thinking doing the left it right side now. of my brain. Just look Damn. at your screen. You can see me doing it. Anyway, speaking of feet, the data says the game is afoot. And <laughs> he's really yeah. happy and smiling. Be- because, so, because, so, of the, because of the shoe. <laughs> It's it's really funny to me that they're so excited and happy whenever they just deduce that she's not playing around, but rather actually got kidnapped. Well, no, they think the computer has constructed a mystery for them. So okay. right now they think like like oh, this is part of the mystery. Is Pulaski's going to get abducted? We got to go rescue her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they don't think it's anything weird yet <laughs> until until later in the show. They are not ha- they're not happy that Pulaski has been taken away from the show. <laughs> Um, so oh. they run to an alleyway and they hear footfalls running away and data immediately deduces again that it's the two men they're after and one of them is carrying Pulaski uh, bound and gagged and Jordy's like you know all this because you read it in a home story right and then data breaks character to tell him like in a hurt voice like, oh I'm deducing this shit man I'm really good at this <laughs> he goes on again to tell him like why he was deducing it and explain his deductions and it, again it all it all checks out it's like yeah yeah data's but, smart but- but also in the scene, as he is like, you're right, like he drops his character and he's like hurt whenever Jordy suggests that, like, you know, this is just the memory I, I uh, memorized. But as he goes on to explain his deductions, the Sherlock Holmes in his voice slowly, slowly comes back up until he's fully <laughs> in it by the end. It's so good. I love Brent Steiner so much. He's amazing. He's a really good actor. Um, so they, they hear the footfalls again and chase after them, and they think they caught up with them, but they reach a dead end in an alley. Uh, but then Lestrade shows up immediately. Uh, and he grabs Data because a man is lying on the street, and he's been murdered. And Data just, like, checks it out for a second and was like, this isn't related to our case. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> He's so done with it already. Come on, Dana. <laughs> Lestrade's like, what, dude? I murdered guy. And Jordy's like, I'm going to play the game and try to help. And so Jordy like, looks at the corpse and he's like, 
oh, it looks like this guy's been strangled. You can see the finger marks, and it looks like it was. It must have been a big guy, and um, uh, probably a robbery. And uh, the Strat asks Data, "Has Holmes? Like, Holmes, is this correct?" And Data's like, "No, he's way off." <laughs> promptly solves the case immediately. <laughs> the- he speed runs it like it's like a minute. <laughs> the computer is still trying to do the same thing of piecing together uh, the stories. So Data just knows the answer instantly. I feel like that is what happened. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's actually part of his Holmes mystery, but he does fucking know it right away. Like, he yeah. knows, his deductions are solid, too, though. Like, he he's, he figures out that uh, the guy was just released from prison. He can tell by his shoes. Uh, he's been drinking all day because he can, he can smell the gin or whatever. Uh, and he's been drinking with somebody else. And his, uh, he was actually strangled by beads, a beaded um, scarf or whatever. And he's like, uh, by his common-law wife, who's over there. And she tries to run away like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> to, to me, this was actually um, the scene where Data pr- is able to prove that he's not just doing... Like, he has the ability to make dedu- uh, deductions. Like, this was the scene where I-, I don't think it was meant to be based off, like, a previous Holmes mystery because he uses uh, he uses a bunch of clues rather than just jumping to conclusions right away. Yeah, I think the computer might have actually been trying to to mm. do that. But it, it, they realize though that it feels like the computer's running two different programs, which yes. honestly is what kind of Jordy asked for. He asked for a, something to confound Data, but also an opponent that could defeat him. So that's what they got. <laughs> uh, hmm. Well, I, I really like that that um, Jordy says. So, Data, like, there's two there's two programs going on. Th- does that mean you don't know what what's what's going to happen? Data says, "No, I don't know what's going to happen." But anyway, we should go over here, and also we're fighting Moriarty. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very smart man. Okay, uh, but no, he actually saw Moriarty. Um, I mean, maybe he recognized him. I guess from his file photo or whatever. <laughs> man, there's it would no... have been really embarrassing for Data if they were actually fighting the Joker. <laughs> that would have been a good surprise um that would have really confounded him <laughs> but no he sees moriarty go into a warehouse and that's why he's, he grabs jordy and he's like oh we must go come on uh and uh they they go into this warehouse and uh jordy says well isn't it a little obvious that, that this would be where he goes and he's like well no that he wants he wants us to go here he he knows that we're after him and he's trying to lead us here uh we're facing moriarty and the one opponent that holmes could only defeat with his own death at reichenbach falls uh <laughs> um they enter the warehouse though and they find nothing but barrels but data finds a quote-unquote obvious trail um <laughs> to lead them somewhere and so when, he's following the trail when they get in here jordy has the best line read in the show where he says oh no data it's another <laughs> dead end <laughs> i love that i was like man that's a very good good, good line <laughs> I also wanted to mention uh, one of the few things I do know I do know about Sherlock Holmes is that the death of Sherlock Holmes was meant to be his the like death of that character, but then one of the earliest known retcons in lit- in literary history, uh, he was uh, Sherlock Holmes was brought back like a decade later, and they started and uh, Conan Doyle right started a, a new Doyle, line yeah. of uh, Holmes stories. People he's just too dang Holmes. popular. Yeah, they couldn't yeah. leave. They couldn't leave uh, Arthur Conan Doyle alone about it. They're like, everyone... we want more Holmes mysteries, and he's like, God damn it, he's dead. All right, all right. <laughs> well, everyone canceled their magazine subscriptions. They had to bring him back. Is that really was that was that published in a magazine? I thought it was yeah, book published. It was. was. It? Oh, I didn't know. I don't know shit. Anyway, they uh, find a hidden door. There's a hidden door ahead. Uh, that's a reference to Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
fuck it's what is it hidden wall ahead hidden hidden passage ahead what is the fucking message in the game oh mm. you don't have the right no <laughs> they do have the right though it opens right up oh you have the right <laughs> <laughs> oh they find a laboratory with a really gaudy victorian parlor uh, and they're like oh this the doctor was right we finally have a game worth playing it says jordy and moriarty walks in on this and says uh the time for games is over actually Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he wants he wants some answers. He knows that they're not Holmes and Watson. Like he has some some something in his brain telling him, like, I know you're supposed to be Holmes and Watson, but I know you're not. Uh right. and he's gotten information from Pulaski, although Data's like, she wouldn't have told you anything. Uh and and he's like, No, I I can tell by the, her expressions when she doesn't answer. Uh <laughs> and Data asks with concern if he's injured her, and he just coldly replies, I will, if necessary. Again, he's evil. He's a bad guy. He's I, I like evil. I like that. Like how he delivers that a lot, where he's not trying to be threatening. He's just like telling Data, like, you know, I haven't heard her, but I'm open to it. Like, yeah, that's very Moriarty too. That's very accurate to the character of Moriarty. That's how he is. Is he's just uh, cold and calculating and uh, very uh, sociopathic. He's just <laughs> yeah. a little psychopath. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but he says his mind has been bombarded with information that he can't understand or shut out, and he uh, he knows about the computer. And he demonstrates to them uh, by calling the arch and they're just like, uh, uh, that's not good. Mm. <laughs> and he also says that the computer has told him or described for him a great monstrous turtle that he's a fly on the back of <laughs> like hurtling through the void, which is such a great description of a starship. It's um, really great. He draws a picture and he, uh, he wants to show it to Data and he's like, what is this? Can you tell me what this is? And Data takes the picture and he just looks at it and looks at Moriarty and immediately walks out. Just like, immediately takes the picture and walks out. And Jordan's chasing he calls, after him. He, he's like he calls shitting for the his fucking pants. Like <laughs> he calls for the holodeck exit, and yeah. they're out of here. Yeah, yeah, and Moriarty's like chasing behind them. And why does it frighten you, Holmes? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they go to talk to the captain, and he's like immediately like, "We need to go talk to." The-. Well, of course, he actually tries to shut down the holodeck from the controls outside, and the holodeck refuses. It says that a protocol uh, override protocol is initiated. <laughs> and so he says they need to speak to Captain Picard and Jordy's like hold on hold on what what is that picture and, and Data finally shows him and Moriarty has drawn what has he drawn guys it's the Enterprise ah, wow. he drew a picture of the Enterprise so they, they deduce that Moriarty has apparently controlled the computer and how, how, how did he get a picture of the Enterprise because the computer only gives uh, audio feedback it has yeah, a monitor. Arch has. Oh, does it? Okay, I didn't see that. He's pressing the buttons on there. It must have something to show the picture. Yeah, I'm sure it has a little monitor on it. I think it does. Uh, but Data doesn't understand why uh, Moriarty is controlling the computer, but he thinks Pulaski is in grave danger. So we cut to the conference lounge, which I like this scene just because it's like, hey, remember the other characters in this show? They're also here in the show. This, Mark, uh, I really... There, there's one downside of this uh, entire episode. I'm sorry, but we don't get this scene of them talking to Picard and having to explain how hard they fucked up. <laughs> get, get, just fucking imagine them in their fucking dumb costumes having to go over to Picard and be like, "Sir, we may have made a mistake." <laughs> <laughs> well, we get a little bit of that in this scene where Jordy is just like, "Oh, that's what happened." Uh. <laughs> but they're in the mm. conference room, uh, and the bridge crew's all there. And they're having a meeting about this, and Picard is asking the computer why the holodeck can't be shut down. And the computer says, uh, by authorization of, of Lieutenant uh, Jordy LaForge. <laughs> and he's like, what? No. <laughs> but uh, Jordy's like, wait, wait. Because Picard asks him to retrace their steps and what happened. Jordy's like, 
Oh, I asked the computer to create an opponent capable of defeating data, of course. It made a, it made an emergent AI because I asked it to. Ah, oh, man. I hate it when that happens. This, this raises a lot of questions for me about the enterprise computer and what it's capable of. Because why can't it just create a fucking AI? And like it, it, it like it wasn't it wasn't even like anything for it to do like it wasn't any struggle for it. It's like oh, there's a little blip of surge of power on the ship, and then yeah, okay, it, it I made a man. <laughs> we yeah. made a person. Yeah. It's pretty easy, really. What does Picard say about this? He says merde. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that means shit. It does mean shit. That's why he couldn't you say shit. He had to say it, say in it on television. Uh, yeah. So they discuss all their options, and Worf just wants to, like, okay, first of all, they discuss all their options. You know what option was missing from this entire discussion, which probably I know would have one. solved? Was it? What was it, McFreeze? I have an answer. They could have used some kind of technology that could, let's say, beam her back to sickbay. <laughs> Why the fuck mm. couldn't they just do that? I don't understand. <laughs> that did well, not come up at all. Obviously, the transporter doesn't work on the holodeck because they use similar technology. And so there'd be like a, a clashing of it just doesn't work. OK, God damn it. I hate mm. that that makes sense. Ace. <laughs> I hate see, that that's a good explanation because of the. Oh, I didn't think that was an explanation particles. at all. I was just making that up. No, it <laughs> makes sense, though. That might be why the rat combobulator doesn't work. You see. Ah, uh, yeah, because it'll get mixed up. It'll accidentally take Moriarty, and then it'll be, all be fucked up. Oh. Have they have they ever beamed anything onto or from the holodeck? No, because they, they didn't do it whenever the holodeck was malfunctioning in the Big Goodbye. So maybe they really can't do that. Yeah, maybe not. I don't yeah. think I, I don't think I ever remember seeing that happen in on any uh, Star Trek episode. Hmm. Yeah, I can't think of it. Yeah, hey, Trek was... heads out there, if there's a in a book or something where they explain that message in yeah well, email us at beam me gmail.com because we would like to hear it from probably you. happens in a book they wrote books about anything you know they did they wrote books about the fucking alien from conspiracy <laughs> 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 which i'm glad they did that alien deserves more attention um, so they discuss their options and Worf wants to lead a security team onto the holodeck and just to extract the doctor and Data's like, no, that might put her at risk. We, we have to assume that the fail safes are off uh, so people can just die in there. And Riker's like, well, what if we just uh, like uh, attack the hologram somehow and uh, destroy them? And Jordy's like, well, I could, uh, he says a bunch of science gobbledygook, but I could just reroute this from the antimatter matter chamber and send a pulse of whatever down there i didn't write down exactly what he said but uh <laughs> i could destroy it that would destroy all of london and all the people on the harold deck and they ask well what about dr pulaski well it would kill her too <laughs> it will tear apart human flesh a little <laughs> like, why did you even think that was a solution jordy <laughs> jordy got Wait. really excited about engineering stuff and forgot about the the, the flesh destroying parts of it Sometimes sometimes you think of an answer and you don't think it all the way through. Yeah, yeah. and you're like, wait, 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 that won't work. That won't work. Hang on, hang on. Uh, but Troy also notices, too, that she can sense a, a consciousness coming from the holodeck, something large and uh, aware. <laughs> so she's basically sensing this emergent AI that the Enterprise computer has created. And Data observes that uh, Moriarty must have been made self-aware in order to defeat Data because Data is self-aware. And I was like, oh, whatever, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> And then suddenly the ship rocks violently. This is the most ridiculous thing in the entire fucking episode, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I was. It made me wonder how how starships are supposed to work. Like, why would it rock like this? I don't. 
Uh, he just so many questions. Down. So many questions need to be answered. Maybe he just slammed situation. down the brakes really hard. Yeah, but it, it doesn't work. Like the, the ship has artificial gravity, and it's not. Listen, oh. he did well, the thing that make the thing happen. He did, and the the computer tells them that control was momentarily shifted to the holodeck. And they're like, oh, "Okay, we guess we got to go back to the holodeck." Picard wants to go with Data back to the holodeck um, in costume. He says because he figures that them being in uniform will raise more questions for Moriarty. Specifically, uh, it said that the um, I believe uh, Worf said that the heading or sorry the attitude and the stabilization was affected. Mm-hmm. Which the stabilization and he- and attitude, if you turn both of those off. That would be that would really fucking that would probably shake your ship around a lot because you're just saying, okay, I'm not going in a direction anymore. I'm not stabilizing this ship anymore. So okay, that makes sense then, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Like, weren't they not going anywhere anyway? I don't know if that makes sense, (laughs) but whatever. They were just kind of floating in space. That's true, but I think even just float in space, don't you have to? Well, no, because there's uh, inertia. Never mind. I was going to say, maybe uh, you have to correct to not get dragged by gravity somewhere. But if you're in the middle of fucking space, you shouldn't be going anywhere, right? If you're stopped. I don't know. It's, I, look, I don't he pressed, know how he pressed the work. shaking button on the computer. He, he made a shaking button. He has no <laughs> idea actually how he did it because we cut to a scene with Pulaski and Moriarty. And she's like, uh, what did you just do? And he's like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> I think she asked how he did that, and he's like, oh, "I don't know, just did he's, it." He's also he's got a really nice sketch of the Enterprise on his blackboard, and he's wrote <laughs> "Figure One" under it. I love it. <laughs> I missed the Figure One, but I'm glad that he wrote that. He, where's Figure Two? That's what I want to know. Especially doesn't have Could the top down view. Um, but he's he's serving Pulaski tea and uh, asking her if she wants one lump or two, and she doesn't know what a lump is somehow. I feel like that's something that humans will always remember, right? If they no. watch Bugs Bunny. Well, think about this, Merc. Um, when you're making tea in the future, you're just getting it with with as much sugar or as much milk as you want. Why would you have to add more? Yeah, I guess mm. you're right. Like, I don't know why. I don't know how I know this. I just feel like it's cultural knowledge that all humans should have is knowing what a lump is for a teacup. But, um, he makes I actually, I actually didn't know what lump was at first, and then just oh, see there, me. Hayes is proving me wrong right away. Hayes <laughs> doesn't know what a lump. It's a, it's sugar. It's like a sugar cube. Right. Want one lump or two? It's when <laughs> Bugs Bunny hammers a guy on the head and he makes a lump. <laughs> um, and then he's he's telling Pulaski that Mister Computer suggests that they are all traveling in a great vessel of some sort, which. Why is he calling it Mister Computer? The it's voice so is clearly good. a lady. I don't. It's know. so good. It's, <laughs> Maybe he's just sexist. I, I think guess. he might be sexist. He thinks computers should be men, even though he doesn't know what a computer is. I think, <laughs> I, I think more so they wrote the line and then they ate it, the ADR in the 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 voice later, and maybe they just forgot they have a woman voicing the computer. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only thing I can think of, really. That's kind of what I thought too, but it still makes no sense because again, they've already had the first season where the computer was almost always a woman, whatever. I know. He's, he's trying to get answers from Pulaski still, and she's, of course, is pretending to know nothing, but she compliments the tea. She's like, this is really good. And he says, uh, this surprises me, but I'm pleased to hear that. <laughs> and he finds that really strange. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that is strange. You're less and less like the Moriarty I've read about. Um, which she doesn't ask uh, why she's read about him, but whatever. <laughs> he says, you're not frightened of me? No, you should be. Uh, he's not very convincing with that. He's not. I, I, 
thought he was convincing. I, I, I think know. I think he's a nice guy now. Well, he did make a very good cup of tea, and he's feeding her a lot of scones. Um, <laughs> and then he goes back up to Mr. Computer. Yeah, he goes to Mr. Computer, calls for an arch, and uh, um, further questions Plaska in the real world, says that, uh, I know you're lying, because every time you deny it, I can tell more and more. And she's like, well, you don't need me here, then. I can just leave. And she tries to stand up and leave. And Amori asks, where? Where are you going? Here? And he points to his chalkboard drawing on the Enterprise. <laughs> and she's just like, yeah, you want to come with me? And ah, he's like... She's- She's going to do the trick, same the move from the big goodbye. She's she was trying, uh, but he says, in time, I'll join you out there. But um, <laughs> she still, though, wants to leave. She's like, well, either tell me what you want from me or let me go. And he's like, well, I actually need you as bait. You're going to be the warm on the hook to lure in your captain, Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, <laughs> and dun, this, dun, dun. he points to his, his big scary machine. This is the hook. He's just got this he's this huge lever coming out of some Yeah, it's like a giant big thing. metal big metal box that's riveted together with a big lever. It's and like perfect. it wasn't so- there when they first went to his lab. So he's no. made this in like the last hour. Yeah. It it looks like a furnace or something, right? Like I don't yeah. know what it's like it's supposed some, to be. It's something you would get out of a factory in the nineteenth century. Yeah. But I don't know how huge. he got it in here. Yeah, and it wasn't there earlier. He, like he put it together real fast. I don't know how he did it. What is it supposed to be? And what? How is he able to? I have so many questions. How? <laughs> how did first of all did Professor Moriarty learn how to program in about a, an hour? Well, well he's very smart. He's. It's easy to program. You just talk to the computer. You just talk and to apparently you. you can talk to the computer with a lever. Oh, maybe the computer made it for him. Maybe he just asked for oh. it. Oh. Mr. Yeah, Computer, could sense. you please hook my? Uh, could you please make it so this lever fucks this shit up? The computer is just like, okay. Hit the override protocol is initiated, man. He's in control. You can do computer, anything with the override. The computer protocol. is so accommodating. It's a really nice computer. It I is. See. Thank see. you, Mr. Computer. <laughs> so elsewhere, we have a uh, Worf joining Picard and Data in costume. Just fucking these costumes, dude. I Worf's costume, I love it so much. Oh it makes God. me so happy to see it's Worf so, in, this, in this suit. It's so awesome. And Picard show, too is dressed like a fucking Baron. They show Worf getting off of the elevator and putting the gloves on, which is yeah. amazing. And Picard has like a carved ivory cane and a top hat, which I didn't know, dude. Are top hats collapsible? I didn't know that because he pops it out with this cane, like real cool. Yeah, yeah there. Some of them can be, yes. Well, apparently his is because he pops it out. I wasn't sure if that was real either. I looked it up. They, those are real. It's called opera hat. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he's so fancily dressed, though. Like, oh my god, he looks so good. Um, <laughs> and he he pops this hat out, and they uh, walk inside to find London kind of in shambles, like it's the fucking end of the world here. <laughs> They've got zombies running around. The you can see the the roof of the holodeck. It's all red and scary. There's yes. fog all over the floor. Yeah, it's like uh, Moriarty's kind of fucking this place up a little bit. <laughs> Why did you do this, Moriarty? <laughs> the final days have come. Uh, um, but the, Picard suggested Ada that they can beat Moriarty by giving him everything that he wants. Um, Picard then sees uh, Tuppence on the ground and he picks it up for good luck. And they are immediately mugged by a man who wants the Tuppence and also anything else that they have. <laughs> He's the most British man <laughs> ever made. He says, and I, and I quote, I'll take that coin, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and, and data just immediately like, picard looks at data and data grabs his thumb and he's like ow 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 he drops his knife 
<laughs> and they're talking about like, whoa, it looks like this hologram is a little different than normal. The safeties must be off, which how can they tell by the hologram? I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I have no idea. It, well, you, you know what fucking drove me crazy is that Picard's like, oh, we were just accosted. I wonder if like the 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 not only the um, safety protocols are off, but if we can be killed in here as well. They had this conversation like five <laughs> minutes ago. They did, yeah. Uh, on the yeah. In, in the conference room when they were talking, it's just like like Data brought this up, and Data was like, "Oh, good point, Picard. Maybe they do have the safety stuff off." It's like, it's like you, you that was your idea, guy. Come on. Well, and they're just you, having this scene just to demonstrate like the comedy of the guy being held in pain by Data the entire time. Like, ah, <laughs> sometimes you gotta give your boss the the victory here. Data's good points. at that. Data knows how to play the game. So he let, he lets data uh, data lets go at his uh at his request and they enter Moriarty's warehouse again. They find Pulaski just sitting on a couch and uh, Moriarty. Step- this was actually this is the best Pulaski moment. She's just lying on the couch like oh I yes. ate so many crumpets. <laughs> like, oh, oh Picard's here. Oh I, I'm I'm right here. That was great. That was my, that was an awesome moment. It was good. Yeah. Uh, Moriarty steps forward to greet Captain Picard, and Picard then asks Pulaski if she's all right, and she's like, "I'm fine. I'm just crammed full of crumpets." <laughs> it's a suggestive um, line. It's only going to get more suggestive later. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one that went there mentally. I didn't write that down in my notes because I'm like, I'm not bringing that up. <laughs> so I'll suggestive. bring it up. Where was he cramming them? In her purse. Oh, she didn't have a purse. Moriarty says he's a civilized abductor, uh, but he's still dangerous, and he pulls a handle on his death machine to prove it, and the ship shakes again. <laughs> I'm really scary. Watch out yeah. for me. Yeah, and Moriarty says all he wants is just to continue to exist. So, like he knows, he knows what he is. Uh, he doesn't want to die, and Picard doesn't want to kill him either. He's like, you must murder me if you can't let me leave this holodeck because I know what I am, and I can't live here forever. I didn't write down a lot about this scene because it's basically that. Like, it's just Moriarty ranting about, I yeah, want to like, live. Picard, you really don't have to tell him all the truth about this. Like, the part where you're going to disappear at the end of this program. It's like, now he's never going to let you out of this. <laughs> but apparently he is. He's a reasonable guy for an evil villain. Um, but he's less evil now, I guess, because the Emergence AI just gave him an actual personality and not well, a comical villain. I like that he's like... You know, he's like threatening to say, like, you know, I'm going to kill you guys. I have this machine here. And Picard points out, like, if you wanted to hurt us, like, you would have just done it at this point. There's no reason for you to have, like, waited for us to come down here if your if your plan was just to just, like, destroy the ship or destroy this world or anything. And he's, yeah. he's saying, like, like, you know, I don't think you're really, like, villainous or you're not you're not that, like, caricature that you used to be. Like, you've obviously evolved past that at this point because... You have this consciousness. You're more than just like a page on a book. Yeah. Picard knows that Moriarty just wanted to lure him down there so that he could request this. Like, please help me to leave this holodeck yeah. and like, live outside of here. Because he does explain to him, like, you can't you can't just walk out. Like, you're you're sort of real, but not really. You only, like, I don't understand how holodecks work, first of all, by the way. Because they they just uh, compare it to transporters because the technology is similar, I guess. Because right. they're, they're turning energy into matter. But that energy uh, matter is not allowed to leave the holodeck. I guess it doesn't make any sense way... because, like, if you can reconstitute someone on the, the transporter, what why does that constitution not exist in that same way on the holodeck? Well, I guess maybe they have to be within the the beam to yeah. make the thing. And... I'm guessing it's it's not like a full like reconstitution, but just like a sort of partial, like you're just kind of in the matrix of the holodeck. 
there, there was that thing in the um in the episode where Picard gets among us. To, um, what was that episode? The one where he like goes out and then becomes space gas briefly. Lonely Among Us. The Among Us episode. <laughs> Is that really what it was called? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he he gets turned into space gas and then he um gets back on the ship through the like the electricity. And so I guess there's like some kind of spark that needs to exist for you to be able to really like be fully con- reconstituted from the transporter. And it's something like that. Whereas like if you're just created kind of from nothing and put onto the holodeck, something about the holodeck is able to kind of keep your, your matter and your energy. There's, there's and- some kind of soul that exists in these transporters yeah the ghosts in the like machines that. you would say the, the ghosts in yeah. the- actually though i think you're right it, it is basically a ghost you in the can, machine. you can make a shell just fine <laughs> you know well yeah. my, my thinking is that actually the holodeck programs are probably intrinsically linked to the computer itself the ship computer so sure. like you can't just separate that you know he's always gonna be part of the ship put in the holodeck uh because he, he can't just exist outside of that you know because that's the way his consciousness is coming from is from the computer he's not some separate entity so we need to put Moriarty's ghost into a machine, into an Android body, much like Data. Obviously, yeah, they uh-huh. just just give him Data's body. It's fine. It's the perfect solution. <laughs> no, they don't know. They don't know how to do that. They don't have the they technology. They didn't think of that. <laughs> Picard explains to him they don't have the technology, but we might someday. You know, like like maybe someday we'll figure it out. Uh, and and Moriarty's like, well, my fate is in your hands. You know, I don't want to die, but this is my only option is to rely on you to someday help me out here. Um, so he gives control of the computer back and tells Picard, to, you know, that like. Help me out here, buddy. And Picard says, Moriarty, uh, you can live in the computer's hard drives until we know what to do with you. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and they just well, close the program. They're, su- they're supposed to be pa- at least pausing it so he'll just be asleep the whole time. Well, and he won't the- know any time has passed. Yeah, they save the computer program. They basically tell the computer, hey, save Moriarty, save the character, and then just continue the rest of the shit. And so Moriarty is uh, saved in the computer. They have Moriarty dot uh sav <laughs> uh and later picard is uh, walking up to Jordy while he's looking at his model ship he says it got a little damaged uh when the ship shook the enterprise uh but it is it held up pretty well and picard's like oh that's a great boat i love it and Jordy feels really bad about fucking everything up he's like man i just i said one word wrong and everything got screwed up and uh picard's like it's fine dude it's fine yeah. I said something more more poetic than that, but well, I, didn't write it down. I, I I wish I wrote that down too. I I, I forgot to write that. Down there was an well. there was a very important bit before they left where uh, Doctor Pulaski says, "Well, time will not pass for you, but I might be an old woman by the time you get out." And he says, "But I'll still fill you with crumpets." Oh yeah, that Yay. was just I didn't write that down for some weird reason. Hmm. <laughs> Oh God! Please don't do that. I don't. Is it uh, okay? Trying to fill our full conference, Mark. What's the yeah. problem with that? Anyway, Picard and Jordy are both good. Everything's fine, and the victory is finally there, so they can stop waiting around. The end. The end. The There's end. just this. The show just ends. I like that though. That's like it's a good ending because there was again Picard had a good poetic moment with Jordy that I fucking didn't write the line down for, <laughs> but it's uh, it was good. I promise. I, I liked that this episode didn't have like a B plot that kind of gets in the way and doesn't really connect with much in the episode. I like that this was just very laser focused on, you know, the holodeck story and 
we, we didn't need to see every other character like doing something in the moment. We were allowed yeah. to just kind of see Data and Jordy and Plasky kind of go on this adventure. Yeah, it's it's a really like a refreshing change from how the show was previously, where it felt like they had to show everybody at all times. But this one, we like we barely see Troy, we barely see Riker, uh, Wesley's not in it at all. It's just the characters that like this is the main story and this is yeah, the story they're like, telling, and that's good. We got so much data; there wasn't room for anyone else. Well, there was a little bit room for Picard at the end. <laughs> yeah, and his in his opera baron suit. No, well, I really, I really love Picard's suit. Someone, someone told uh, Picard there's going to be a ph- philosophical question at the end of the episode. He's like, "Oh, put me on, put me on." <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was a nice moment too, though, because Jordy's still new in his position of chief engineer, and so he's like, "Oh God, I really screwed this up, man." Because that was the reason it happened in the first place. Is he had the authority to actually tell the computer to do this? If it had been somebody else, the computer would have been like, "You do not have authority." But he's the chief engineer, so the computer's like, "Okay, if you want me to make an evil villain for you, I'll make an evil villain for you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh he felt really bad about it and picard just has to reassure him like you know sometimes we all fuck up but it's okay yeah it was, it was all good you know now did you guys read about the original ending to this show no i didn't okay i'm gonna read this one uh which is quote from who was this from uh from maurice hurley here so it's in the original ending Picard knew how to defeat Moriarty. He tricked him. He knew all along that Moriarty could leave the holodeck because of the piece of paper with the drawing on it came out of the holodeck. Oh, God, it did, didn't it? Oh, my God, it did. Wait, oh, my God. And so he said, if that piece of paper could leave, that meant that the mortality failsafe had broken down. I don't know why that is. In turn... This means that the matter-energy converter, which creates the holodeck, now allowed the matter to leave. When he knew the paper had left the holodeck, he knew that Moriarty could as well. So he lied to him. Huh. That is, I, that is weird. It's a worse <laughs> ending. It is a worse ending. I, I, the continuity, though, makes more sense that way because I didn't even think about the paper, but you're absolutely right. Like, it, it, it should not have left the fucking holodeck. Well, there was also, remember in... Uh, far point when Wesley comes out of the holodeck and he's dripping wet. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. kind of the same thing. Maybe, yeah. It's it's such a little insignificant piece of matter that it doesn't get grabbed by the computer. But like a person walking out is going to dematerialize, as I as think, demonstrated in the big goodbye. And, and and the big goodbye is also very wacky. Where like they they don't just like melt on their way out of there. They like get fairy. They get like fairy tales away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just like slowly from the bottom up or something it was, yeah. it was important to do it that way because it was much funnier it that's was true, funny they were like what is happening to us that's strange goodbye oh my feet no <laughs> who but, would have but, thought this would ever happen to me the holodeck rules seem to make very little sense but that's okay they don't they don't make a lot of sense i like in this episode too they did actually have a moment where they were explaining to dr pulaski how the holodeck worked and it was still the same kind of hand wavy shit that they've been doing since the beginning <laughs> but it was like hey at least they're trying to tell people like no it's it's just a room see but but the computer tricks us right. with pictures uh, so so they they hand wave it so fucking hard in that one moment where they say right like the one part makes sense where it says well you know it shifts perspective depending on your location and uh, the the way it like will project things on the walls to kind of give it the that illusion of like things are way far off and like yeah that makes sense 
And then Jordy just says, also, when you're walking around, it does some other tricks to make it seem like the room's bigger. Wait a minute. Oh, we're not telling you what they <laughs> he are, says, though. He says, it fools you in other ways and does not elaborate <laughs> at all. They really, they don't want to elaborate too hard on that because they, they don't understand how it works This will just, this is just, the important thing is Data has a hat. <laughs> he does. He's got a important. hat and a pipe. It's very good. <laughs> uh, it was a good episode of the TV show. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. Very good. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, We're going to get back and we're going to talk about the outrageous Akana in uh, episode four of season two when we get back. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. And we'll be right back. (laughs) And we are back. We're going to talk about the outrageous Akana next uh, episode four. What are you guys initial thoughts about this episode? Uh, I think I said it earlier, but it was like it was like a better than average season one episode which by itself makes it like a on the upper end of things that we've watched but unfortunately it's competing with one of the better episodes we've watched so far in total so it it, it kind of gets shortchanged uh side by side with the watson uh holmes episode i mean i really i really love all the the data bits of this episode they are fantastic they're the best thing in the entire show but also, like, the actual parts with Okana in them. Like, he's supposed to be this really charismatic guy. And for whatever reason, he just he just doesn't do it for me. Like, it doesn't land. And it kind of, it, 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 I just don't like him that much. I like him. I mean, I, I think I've been on the fence about him before, like, in the past when I watched the show. And I thought, like, man, this guy sucks. But I, now that I, I realized, like, what he is, is he's just somebody's D&D character. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I liked him. I, I thought, like, he's fun as just, like, a guest character that kind of comes on and is, like, this kind of, like, like, scummy sort of womanizer rogue that's just there to be kind of a like, greaseball, like, his, he's fun. He's fun in that capacity. I wouldn't want to see him every week or even every every. I say, like, oh god, no. He is a guy who has watched Han Solo on TV. <laughs> yes, I, he is. He is Han Solo at home, one hundred percent. Like, he, yeah, he, he is like. I think he's fine in his lane. His main issue for me in this episode is that the plot he got sucked. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not good, but it's uh. I, I like it. I don't know how much of that I, is just nostalgia for me for knowing this episode and being like, ah, because I always think nostalgically of the episodes where the show starts getting good. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I, I don't, this isn't no child, man. We're way past that. <laughs> I don't think he's like bad. I just, it's it just not, he's not like. Uh, you don't like him. That's fine. It's, you don't yeah. like, he's kind of an asshole, so I don't blame you. <laughs> it's okay to not like the smug, smarmy guy. He's smarmy. He is he's smarmy. Ha- I would describe him as smarmy. If he was more smarmy, then maybe I would like him better. Uh, would you? I don't know. I feel like he would be over the top if he was more smarmy. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Look at how over the top Data was. And that was great. Well, that's Data, though. Data can do anything. <laughs> Data can do no wrong. So This episode first aired December 12th, 1988. Uh, it was The teleplay was written by Burden Armas. And it was his last story was written by a less mentioned Lance Dixon and David Landsberg. Took a lot of, took a lot of chefs in this one. Uh, directed by Robert Becker. And the in-universe date is 42402.7, solar year 2365. And this is the episode where they meet roguish character Okana, who finds himself in some uh, local legal troubles. Meanwhile, Data is trying to figure out what humor is. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the B plot of this episode is what you come here for, basically. One hundred percent. Every single part of that B plot is. Oh so my good. god, it's so good. It is. It's it's really good. They I should just that. make the whole show out of Brent Spiner. They kind of do for. A, <laughs> I feel like they kind of have at this point. They yeah. kind of have. <laughs> for a while, it's a very data focused show. Like Measure of the Man uh, that we talked about. Measure of Man's coming up. All data. They were <laughs> right a, to do it. That's a data show. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so in this episode starts where they're in uh, the coalition of Medina, which uh, is a settlement star system, whatever the fuck it is. It's got two planets, and they're colonized. Not colonized. They uh, have two humanoid races. No wait. Let me start over. <sighs> Uh, I'm brain network. <laughs> so to start this episode starts. Or are you going to ask Case how come I'm allowed to cut stuff when I say? Yeah, fuck yeah, I was going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave it in. I'll leave it in. Uh, no, no, you don't. No, have to. I, it's easier to leave it in. No, 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 okay, no, no. so the Coalition of Medina. There's a humanoid race that has uh, two planets colonized, and uh, they're under a treaty with each other. And uh, an unidentified vessel is approaching, a small class nine vessel. And uh, the Worf says that there's only one life sign aboard. There's nothing in the ship's cargo holds. And uh, the ship is armed only with lasers, which is a very dated weapon technology at this point. Uh, guidance system is malfunctioning, and the pilot is holding the course manually. So Riker wants to intercept for emergency assistance just in case it's needed. And Picard's like, okay, Wesley, make it so. Wesley's in this episode. We have him. Yay. Uh, the- <laughs> I said, Wesley's back. Yeah, I didn't I even like think him. about I didn't even think about how he was gone when we were watching uh, <laughs> Elementary Dear Data because that episode goes so hard and you don't think about yeah. it. But then it's just like, oh yeah, he wasn't in the last episode. You know, you don't miss Wesley, but you're glad to see him. Yeah, anyway. that's how I feel about him. I'm yeah. always happy to see Wesley. Genuinely, Wes is fine by me as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um. So they get into position and hail the vessel, and he responds to them. <laughs> How, what does come on screen when he responds to them? He's bending over and his big butt is on the screen. Yeah, Yay. he's talking to them with his ass showing. He's like picking something off the floor and his, just, his ass is all over the camera. <laughs> uh, and he introduces himself. He's Captain Akana. This is his vessel. Uh, he's a very charismatic roguelike character that we've talked about. Um, Troy describes him as mischievous, irreverent, and somewhat brazen, uh, basically a rogue. And then that gets Data to do his thesaurus routine. He's a roguelike. No. Cad, knave, rake, no, he's a, he's rascal, a roguelike. villain, wild elephant. <laughs> wild elephant? Wild elephant. I did write that one down. Yes. <laughs> never I, heard that. I don't know what that means, but apparently it means rogue. <laughs> uh, but Troy senses there's no ill will from him. He's not malevolent at all. He's just a he's just a guy. So they tell him they notice his problems, and he's like, "Well, since you can detect them, can you help me fix them?" <laughs> and Wesley's like, "Yeah, we should be able to do that, Captain." And Captain's like, "Okay, yeah, we can do that." Uh, and Worf recommends they give him limited access to the ship, and Picard's like, "Yeah, I agree." Finally, <laughs> someone agreed with Worf's recommendation. Hooray! Well, finally, security actually limits access on a ship to somebody they just randomly pick up. <laughs> Like they never did. They've never done this before if they can do it. Like, come on. Because they they, they, they didn't even do it with the two warring side like factions (laughs) they put on their ship. And they let like a they they let like a small war happen on the fucking ship. Some people might have gotten eaten. It's okay. It's Uh, fine. I think it's because Worf is in charge now though, and he's just more on the ball about not not trusting anyone ever. Well, he's much louder, is the thing. He is much louder, yes. Uh so they get ready to transport him over, and the transporter chief is not O'Brien today, it's a woman. So uh, 
Okana hears that. Is that is that a woman on the call? I do I a hear a woman? lady. <laughs> he immediately like turns on his horny mode, like, oh, a lady? Let me get my perfume. All right, I guess it's cologne. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Riker guides Wesley to engaging the tractor beam under the ship, which I thought was a really cute. They're actually continuing with that. We're gonna show Wesley how things work. Uh story. But he's uh, guiding Wesley to, to get the ship locked onto a tractor beam and they beam over Okana. Uh, and they have like a full fucking party for Okana. Is is Worf, Riker, yeah. Data, and Wesley are all there, uh, mm-hmm. and the transporter chief, and uh, which is important. <laughs> and um, Worf immediately wants his weapons. Immediately confiscates them. And a Klingon security officer. No wars available, huh? Jokes Okana. Wow, <laughs> takes wow. takes all his weapons. Of, co- of course, Worf does the thing. He's like, "Come on, the other weapon." Okay. <laughs> well, you had some of this giant fucking knife. This knife is like a foot it's long. And he's like, oh, it's this is massive. This, this is more like jewelry than a weapon. Is it? <laughs> like, no, it's got it a, like serrated, a giant knife, my dude. It has a serrated blade. <laughs> he doesn't even have it sheathed, like, dude. <laughs> uh, but he hands it over. Uh, and Riker tells him, okay, if you just give the part to Commander Data here, he can get it fixed for you. And Okana's like, oh, I would really like to fix it myself. I'm kind of a hands-on guy. And Riker's like, you wouldn't fucking understand the tools we use, dude. You're, you have lasers on your ship, you're an idiot. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you might be right. But could I at least watch while it's getting fixed? And Riker's like, okay, yeah, that can be arranged. So he then walks over right past Commander Data and hands it to Wesley. And Wesley's like, I'm not Commander Data. I'm just an acting ensign. And he's like, well, acting ensigns have names too, don't they, son? Like the whole thing was just a just a charismatic like, hey, I'd like to get to know this kid for some weird reason. Uh, mm. uh, but uh, he still gives Data the cold shoulder after he says hi to Wesley and, and introduces himself, which I was really like, do you see Data in the background? I'm like, oh, well, he was going to say hi to me, but he didn't. Hmm. Poor oh, Data. I'm sad. Yeah. Everyone's so mean to him. But yeah. you know who he did want to get to know. Oh, yeah. He walks right over to the transporter chief and they start flirting. And I wrote this down verbatim because this is a good line. This is a good pickup line. If you're ever in space, guys, uh, <laughs> keep this in mind. And thank you for being here and enabling me to see a truly beautiful woman. You have the majestic carriage and loveliness that could surely be traced back to the noblest families. <laughs> like, what a fucking <laughs> line. <laughs> and she tells him, too, like, I bet you say that to all the ladies. <laughs> but he continues to flirt with her like she's into him and uh Riker has to cut it off and be like okay Okana go follow Data <laughs> Riker, Riker chimes in with Mr. Okana appears to have excellent vision <laughs> I'm just waiting I'm waiting for the laugh track to kick in <laughs> that was me I was going ah that's a good one Riker ah. and he says oh and a libido too ah, yeah it's really horny Riker ah. <laughs> <laughs> They leave the room too, and Okana is talking to Data like, "Oh, she sure was hot, right?" And Data's like, "I don't know, dude. I'm not programmed for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an android." And Okana is just like, "Well, then, have you seen any good-looking computers lately?" Da da da. Hey. And then we see Okana watching Jordy fix his part, and he's asking him a bunch of questions about what he's doing, and uh, they're just like laughing and having a good time. Uh, and uh, does anything really come of that scene except for oh, we just know that he's really charismatic and well, he, asks, he asks data if you've ever been drunk and data says no which is not true no 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 no, no. he says scene. he says that well, i've never been drunk from alcohol that's true he does say that 
But okay, first of all, you would you would think he would bring it up at least. That's the next <laughs> scene though. Like they have this weird cut where he's following Data, then he's talking to Jordy about the part, but then he's just following Data down the hallway alone. Like yes, they just cut right to that. that. Uh, but the, he's asking Data uh, like, "Oh, have you ever been cold or warm or drunk?" And that's when he does bring up like, "Oh, drunk from alcohol? No." And then he asks him too if he's ever had love, and Data asks him to clarify if he means the act or the emotion, because boy, he has definitely had the act. We remember that. Uh, <laughs> but O'Connor just said, oh, they're the same thing, which is a real shitty mm. response. <laughs> Data's like, I think that's inaccurate. And O'Connor's like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't think. I just fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and O'Connor's uh, just kidding. Oh, ergo sum, I think, therefore I fuck. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> I, how do you say fuck in Latin? Someone email us. There's <laughs> uh, probably a word for it. There's got to oh, be. There's a oh, yeah, word. They talk all the time back in Rome. Uh, O'Connor's giving him kind of like advice about um, a cargo or whatever, <laughs> just telling him a bad joke about birds. Like, if your cargo is canaries <laughs> and half of them are flying, uh, you're fine, or something like that. And uh, Data's like, that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, no, 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 it's just a joke. <laughs> is it? Is it a joke? It's. Yeah. And then, then uh, and data then enables laugh dot wav at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ah, 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 ah. so kind of asks him if he knows what funny is, and he can't answer. Uh, and so he's he's just like, oh, well, can you at least tell me where room eight oh six is? And data points into it, and and he asks why. Oh, you probably wouldn't understand that either. And he walks over, and it's the transporter chief in like a silky red dress with a bra and gloves. <laughs> oh, well, She's well, in a very. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, go on. I was just going to say, whenever he asks Data, you know, what is a joke? Data goes, oh, it's a, uh, it's a ruse. A, uh, what, what was the French word he... A bon mot. A bon mot. He's like going through all his dictionary definitions. He's like, no, Data, that's just the dictionary definition. I wouldn't... And then, yes, he goes like, I bet you wouldn't get this either. And then I'm going to go fuck. Uh-huh. Gets ready to Data, <laughs> Data does give that, get that, this, though, because uh, he's done that. And the person who he's going to fuck is Terry Hatcher. <laughs> is that really Terry Hatcher? Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not recognize her. She got, she got, uh, she said she wanted her name taken out of the credits because her scenes all got cut. So there you oh. go. Oh, sad. That was, uh, am I completely wrong, but that's who played Jadzia on Deep Space Nine, right? No. Okay, I'm completely wrong. Fuck. <laughs> what was that actress? That was um, what's her name? God, I should know this. Terry Farrell is a different Terry. Terry, Terry. yeah, it's spelled yeah. differently. Terry yeah. Farrell. With Who's Terry y. Hatcher then? Terry Hatcher was in Seinfeld, and she said they're real and they're spectacular. And then she was on Desperate Housewives, and she was in other things. That's uh-huh. the, that's that's the story. So that's who that was. You're that's you're why wrong. I didn't. You're wrong. Terry Hatcher is the character that pushes the giant egg in that GameCube game. What? Huh? I don't get it. No one knows what Billy Hatcher is. <laughs> no. No what? one knows. Keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry too. I don't get it. Um, so Wesley and Jordy are fixing someone up will. The, Wesley and Jordy are fixing up the part, and Riker goes to check on the status. And uh, Wesley's asking Riker what he thinks of Okana, and Riker just has a scene where he's explaining to him like, oh, he's, he's a charismatic guy. He's really good at handling people, you know, but he's very roguish and alone, and he wants to be a loner." And he's and good Wesley's, at handling people, all right. 
oh yeah maybe <laughs> but wesley is just like oh why does he want to live like that you know just kind of asking him the questions uh but then we cut to 10 forward where data is asking gynan if she's agreeing with okana that that aspect about him that he doesn't know what humor is and she's like i simply said i've never seen you laugh and uh she's not sure that he knows what a joke is <laughs> And how does she prove this to him, you guys? <laughs> By telling the worst joke ever. <laughs> oh, my, what the hell is this joke? This is awful. Because, because you're an android and I'm a noid. No, that's not the joke. The joke was, the joke was, and it's important. Uh, it's just you and I here. We're talking. We're having an intimate conversation. Why? Because you're a droid and I'm annoyed. See, it's important to not say the full android part because that's part of the joke. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. you see, yeah, no, it's, it a terrible, it's a fair, terrible fucking joke. <laughs> but uh, he just thinks that she's saying she's annoyed with him because what else would you possibly think? <laughs> and she's like, "No, no, no, and I'm annoyed." And he's like, "Oh, humanoid." Oh, I don't know how I, he got I, that. I genuinely didn't even get it until he said like what it was. Yeah, no, even with the subtitles on and it's spelling it correctly, it's still like, what the fuck? I don't understand. What is annoying? It, it's a real reach. It's a real reach. It's a terrible yeah. joke. But uh, You know, you know, uh, it was only two months after this episode aired that that thing happened uh, with the Noid guy who oh. <laughs> took a oh, bunch no. of hostages. I was actually wondering if it was that, like, right? Like, Maybe it was a Noid joke about the Noid pizza guy. Uh, not the guy guy, but the, the Pizza Hut uh, character. But I, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, there was a guy with schizophrenia whose name was Noid. And he they had to stop using the Noid character because this guy basically went crazy over it. And uh, didn't he, did he kill somebody or did he just hold somebody hostage over it? He took it? hostages in the pizza restaurant. I did not yeah. know this yeah. happened. No, oh no this was a thing that happened. So that's why the Pizza Hut stopped using the Noid. Uh, because this this one guy. Yeah, his name was Kenneth Noid. They had to avoid the Noid. Yeah. They did have to avoid the Noid after that. Yep, yep, but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but Data points out to, to Guinan, though, perhaps the joke was not funny. And she <laughs> says, no, no, the joke was funny. It's you, Data. Are you sure? He says. But she gaslights him into thinking it was actually him and not her terrible joke. So he, uh, she, he asks what he should do, and she advises him uh, to seek a smarter computer. Actually, she said most people she would she would send to a higher power. Which was is that really what you would, advice you would give people if they didn't know what Huber was? Go talk <laughs> to God about it. I'm gonna go pray for funniness. <laughs> She's a very religious lady, that guy. Then, um, so Dana goes to the smarter computer of the Enterprise and uh, the holodeck. And asks the computer to explain to him what he... The, the amount of holodeck we're getting in these two episodes, too, is really good. I don't know why, but suddenly they're like, we have a holodeck. We can do whatever we want with that holodeck. Let's fucking do it. Maybe they just have more budget. Maybe, maybe I they, mean, yeah, they got set budget for sets now. Yeah, yeah. Although, if you look at the set of the Comedy Club, I don't know if you guys noticed this. I only noticed this because I drew it in that one cover. This is the same set that they had the Jazz Club as. They just have a few things changed around in it, but the walls are the same. Hmm. I did notice that because those stupid pink walls, I had to paint them. Uh, <laughs> I, I, goes, I, I, that makes sense, actually, because it is basically just sort of like a, you know, like a the word for it, just like a presentation area. So, yeah, you may as well just reuse that. Yeah, I think they just, just changed out a little bit, but it's just like, this is our bar set. We're just going to change the bar a bit. Just uh, add uh, the, the, the chuckle hut to the background and we're all done. <laughs> yeah, well, it said something about like... um 
I think I wrote it's it like down. The comedy Cello Cabaret. Or chariot something. Yeah, it's a Chariot Comedy Cabaret, I think is the name of it. Uh, right. So Dana goes to the holodeck, though, um, and he wants to get a holodeck program of a comic to learn from and asks uh, who the funniest on the file is. And the computer tells him that the funniest comic on file is a 23rd century comedian named Stano Riga, who specialized in jokes on quantum mathematics. Which what? I I actually thought this was funny. It's it's what the computer funds thinks is the funniest comedian. So of course they think like <laughs> someone who's really good with like figures and stuff would be the funniest comedian out there. I feel like it has to be using some other metric than just what the computer thinks is funny. The computer doesn't think it's a computer. Well, how how else would it like empirically think like what the funniest thing is? I thought that was the joke that that, like, that was happening in that scene. I thought that was funny. <laughs> It was good. I, I thought it was very funny too that the funniest comedian on the ship's record is fucking guy who jokes about quantum mathematics. And it's <laughs> just like, no, too esoteric. Uh, and the computer then gives him a list of comics, uh, scrolls through really fast, and he's just like, oh, that one. And he picks a guy named Ronald B. Moore, who is played by uh, Joe Piscopo. Which, yeah. like, Freeze, did you say there was another actor that they were going to get? They were, they were going to get Jerry Lewis. Uh, but. He was not available. So that's insane to me because what they do is they have Joe Piscopo do a Jerry Lewis routine. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I hated this guy. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> he's so I great. really genuinely hated this. He, okay. He has a funny scene when he's like doing like a, like a thumbs up later. But every, anytime he's speaking is unbearable. <laughs> but do you, you know who this guy was, Hayes? No, I did. Okay, that's my point. <laughs> he, he was a comedian in the eighties, but yeah, I'm sure. He, he I, I'm sure he was a, a comedian. Career. I have no doubt no, about he that. Was, he was on Saturday Night Live in the early eighties. Well, was he on Saturday Night Live? I didn't know that. Yeah, you I know think what? I've seen he, some of his stand up. I bet this dude was on Saturday Night Live. Wow, Saturday Night Live was good at a point. Okay, okay, <laughs> it was good probably for not, like six probably years. Probably not when he was on it. <laughs> it was... Sorry to Joe Piscopo. I'm sorry if you if you ever hear this, Joe. I'm sorry. It's not personal. I um, thought he was he was great because he just his role is to get Data to act as goofy as possible, and he, he did does it. succeed in that. Yeah, he does succeed in it because uh, Data walks in on Hank giving a first of all stand up routine to an empty audience, and uh, he's just Mr. Comic. I wish to know what is funny. And I wrote down one of these lines here because I really appreciated this. Like this, I thought was a good funny line just because it's stupid. Uh, funny, I don't know. It's a matter of opinion, I guess. Tip O'Neill in a dress. Uh, some people say words that ended in K are funny. A briefcase that looks like a fish. Personally, I find that hysterical. I thought that was cute. I had to look up who Tip, Tip O'Neill was, though. Yeah, that's data. kind of a that's kind of a topical reference. It is, yeah. He was a he was a 20th century male politician overweight. Says data. I guess he was Speaker of the House or something in the 80s. Yeah, I don't fucking know. Um, Great comedian. Female, love this guy. Wearing female clothing, carrying a valise <laughs> that looks like a fish. So the juxtaposition of gender and an amphibian briefcase is funny. Well, I think whatever makes you laugh is funny. He says. Well, nothing makes me laugh. I wish to learn. So I had to write that one down because it was all a good conversation. But I like I like Data's lines in it. Yeah, he says, uh, you're what we would call a tough room. And Data says, oh, I will attempt to be an easy room. <laughs> <laughs> Data's so good. Uh, so he, he decides to show what uh, what Data funny is by doing his Jerry Lewis impression. Which I guess is a Jerry Lewis impression. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> he's doing it. I don't find Jerry Lewis funny, so I don't think that him being in the episode would have made this any better for me. 
No, but him doing the most obnoxious possible Jerry Lewis impression <laughs> ever well, did is... not make things better, including fake teeth, where he just goes oing, 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 the entire time. Hey, yeah, excuse he... me. This is the funniest guy of the 20th century. I'll have you know. Uh, and he gives no, he, was, a... he wasn't even that. He was just like a random list and a hat data picked out. Yeah, You got, a, like, you got a bad guy. pick. <laughs> I wish uh... Data had picked Steve Wiener. That guy was good. <laughs> was there a guy named Steve Wiener? He was on the list. <laughs> <laughs> he really missed out. Uh, but no, he gives Data a set of teeth too and tries to get him to do the impression. So they get this little physical comedy routine of them both doing the Jerry Lewis impression on the stage and stomping <laughs> their feet. And uh, he's like, okay, okay, that's not working out. Let's uh, try teaching you some jokes instead. Those aren't my specialty, but maybe they'll uh, they'll take for you more. And so he starts to teach him some jokes and he pulls out a cigar and says, hey, you can do this with your hands. It's kind of a prop thing. And... Uh, Data's like really into it and he starts speeding up the recording and watching get it at like 10 times speed to get all the jokes as fast as possible. <laughs> and it's a... <laughs> There's a tape recorder fast forwarding effect on the on him talking. It's like... <laughs> and yeah, Data's, really... just, Data's just watching and his smile grows bigger and bigger. I, he's I learning like so much. Yeah, I like this a lot that they just have him fast forward like that. Um, so he's at 10 forward and he's trying out this material on Guinan. And did, did either of you write down this joke and want to tell it? Let me see. Because uh... I can paste it. Hold on. Uh, okay, here, I found it. It says, a guy walks into a doctor's office. The doctor tells him, you need an operation. The guy says, I want a second opinion. The doctor says, okay, you're ugly too. But I'm boom. I liked it. <laughs> I thought it was a good joke. I liked it. it really and, well. and, and Guinan... She just like like bites his head off over it for no reason. Well, he it asks, was was, he asks if he was funny, and she's just like, no. <laughs> I thought it was funny, <laughs> and he sits down dejected, and she tells him that he spoiled the joke somehow, like it could have been his timing, and he says, "My timing is digital," and that she laughs at because that is funny. Is, he doesn't I get think, it. I think Jordy would have laughed. It was better than the jokes he told Jordy in the past. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he goes to tell like, I got in another joke, but she's a. Saved by Captain Picard calling him to the bridge. A monk, a clone, and a Ferengi decided to go bowling together. <laughs> and we don't get to know. Punchline. I want to know what the joke was. It sounds good. Oh, so Data takes his post on the bridge and they have an unidentified... We have the A-plot coming back in. Warning. Um, mm. An unidentified vessel. It isn't responding to Hales. It's a Class 7 vessel with a crew of 26. And it flies up to the Enterprise and locks its lasers onto them, which they're like, ah, uh, cute. That's cute. <laughs> this is I love when Worf says they're locking lasers on us. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, they point out that the lasers would not even penetrate their navigational guidance shields. Like the lasers are so weak compared to the Enterprise. But uh, they go to yellow alert just because regulations call for it. But Picard says to lower the shields. Um, and Riker's like, why? And Picard jokes, well, in case we want to surrender to them. There's jokes all over in this episode. I like the <laughs> running joke of everybody's telling jokes. Worf didn't like that joke. He growls at it. I liked it. Picard, he's 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 a funny guy when he, he wants is. to be. Yeah. Uh, so the ship finally hails them and tells them that they have uh, no rights in the system. And this is Debon of Planet Altec. Uh, the ship you're towing is of a wanted criminal, Okuna. And uh, Devin wants him for his crimes committed on the planet. And, uh, I like that they, they mute the call so that they can ask Troy. And Troy's like, yeah, he's angry. 
<laughs> Thank you, Troy. Um, Devin will not tell them what Okona's crimes, Okona's crimes were, just that he is wanted. And then another vessel, very similar to the first one, but from the opposing sector, also approaches from the planet Streleb. And this guy introduces himself as Security Kushal from Streleb, and he's there with a younger man. Uh, he also wants Okana. And Picard, at this point, calls Okana to the bridge. But he's telling Kushal, like, okay, we got to get this sorted out. This guy also wants him. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll contact you back. But Worf says that Okana is not responding to their request to come to the bridge, and he's been reported in three different crew quarters. Ooh. <laughs> so Picard says, go get him. We get this incredibly dramatic scene <laughs> of Worf walking down the hallway. There's this he's... music that's, like, implying that Worf is about to go beat some ass. <laughs> it's great. Well, he looks like it, too. Like, he looks angry in the camera. Uh, what, what do you call that kind of shot where the camera's in front of Worf and it's following him as he's walking down the hallway? Just like a tracking shot? Like... Yeah, there's a tracking shot of Worf just walking down this hallway out of the turbo lift and into a room where Okana is making out with a woman in a bathrobe. <laughs> he's really <laughs> sleeping his way across the Enterprise. He's got a lot of insanely... energy. How, how, how long has he been on there? You know, he just, he has to make, life is short, you know. I'm While impressed. You, when you're on a ship, you got to fuck all the ladies you possibly can. So Akana immediately tries to brush off Worf, like, hey, can I wait a couple minutes? And um, Worf is very upset about this. But Okana holds his ground and kind of stands toe-to-toe with him. And Worf says, I would love to get in a fight with you, buddy. I want to punch the shit out of you. But uh, but I have my orders. And uh, Okana's like, says to the woman, you see what it took me to drag you from your arms? And goes to the bridge. Okana uh, could probably take Worf. Worf's not exactly like <laughs> if we're being honest with ourselves. I know Worf is supposed to be intimidating and everything, but I mean, if, if, if we look at his mean. record for fights uh, over the course of the series so far, he's not he's not done great. Okay how 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 often is Worf fighting just some guy though? Well, okay, that the... happened a few times. <laughs> <laughs> you lost a bunch of Ferengi with hula hoops. There was two of or, them, or at least. pool noodles. I'm pool sorry. Noodles, yeah, they were electric pool noodles. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he fighting like three of them at once too? <laughs> like he had a Frankie on his back. Uh, oh, those good times. I think yeah, Worf season starts jobbing. Worf starts jobbing less at this point in the series too, though. So he might be able to take Akana. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I guess. I guess he did beat a holodeck skull man that one time. So that was pretty. Yeah, cool. he does that every day. That's his fucking warm up <laughs> exercise. Is to go beat up, up Skeletor. Uh, <laughs> something to draw Skeletor. Um, so Worf introduces O'Connor to Picard. His name is actually his full name is Thadian O'Connor, I guess, which is the first time and only time we hear this. Uh, Picard tells O'Connor that they took him on, uh, not knowing where he was coming from, but trusted him, and they didn't know they were taking him on under false pretenses. But apparently. Uh, that they have and O'Connor just immediately assumes it's because he's fucking all the ladies on the ship <laughs> <laughs> and Picard's like no 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 that's fine um but he, he even says like oh no you can sleep your way across the ship I don't really give a shit <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't say that directly audience they say uh um socializing with the crew is what the term they use but uh, Picard actually tells him no it's this guy Devin and this guy Kushal out here are looking for you and um they, they say you're wanted for crimes and O'Connor assures the Captain Picard that he's not a criminal. He hasn't committed any crimes. He has no idea what they want it for. So Picard brings back up Devin on view screen and asks him again what, what the crime was. And uh, he brings his daughter on screen who's heavily pregnant. <laughs> oh, no. <Yay. laughs> uh, apparently, O'Connor impregnated his daughter and ran off to <laughs> left her with a bastard oh, child. Man. So he's, he's been chasing O'Connor across the system to drag him back and make him marry his daughter. Um. 
<laughs> they cut to commercial, they come back and they have a log of like discussing uh, ancient moral codes or whatever. Oh, I'm rebutting now. No, you're not. You're fine. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. My connection looked like it was dropping. Uh, and um, they discussed like these ancient moral codes. Like this was such a thing that wouldn't exist in current time on the Enterprise. Like I guess it wouldn't necessarily, but I feel like this this is not that far in humans' history for them to talk about it. Like it's an ancient yeah. moral code. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also call in Kushal uh, and bring him in on kind of like on a conference call with the other guy. And Kushal uh, tells Picard that Okana stole the jewel of Thesia, a national heritage, and used his uh, his son to do it. Like became friends with him and, and robbed him. And Kushal um, and uh, Debin begin arguing because they know each other and they hate each other. And so they begin arguing on the screen there, and um, and they just mute the call and then like hang it up. And Picard drags Okana. <laughs> That's into his how I room. feel about this entire fucking plot, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know you know what i mean it's just like yeah. a bunch of fucking yeah. angry calls over the the viewer i mean like i want to get him no i want to get him he did this no he did it's like ah man you have this like cool dumb rogue character you could be doing so much with him and it's just like this this is yeah this nothing <laughs> yeah. but picard picard's done with it so he takes a con into the ready room and he uh Okana's like, you know those ships can't hurt you, right? And he's like, yeah, I fucking know, dude, but I still don't know what to do with you. And they realize, like, well, whoever he hands him off to, it's going to start a war. And so Okana apologizes for Picard's involvement and wishes it hadn't happened and there was something he could do to make it easier. And uh, all he can think of is like, well, what if you just fixed my ship and I ran away? <laughs> and Picard's like, well, they would catch you. They're faster than you. And he's like, oh, I can take care of myself. So yeah, Okana's- I think he can do it. <laughs> Picard's like, okay. Yeah, whatever. If that's your choice, I mean, Picard well, says uh, that's basically what Starfleet regulations would I mean, say. He yeah, should do. like, like what else could he do reasonably in this situation? Yeah, because he has no jurisdiction here. He's just in some random star system. Not, right. It's not your job to uh, protect. He, he says this that he's guy. not the judge. He's not there to arbitrate. He's just like kind of caught in the middle here, and he he needs to do some kind of action that's like the most neutral in this situation. Which, yeah, and that case, is the most neutral. Yeah. Yeah. So Okana's pacing around engineering, pestering Jordy on finishing the repairs. And Jordy's like, what's the rush? I thought you liked it here. And, and Okana's like, I did like it here, but it stopped liking me. Damn. Time to disappear. <laughs> and Wesley's there and he, he starts like, why is your life like this, bro? Like, why do you live <laughs> like this? It makes him feel really bad about it. Like, you just run it. I couldn't live like that, man. Just running off and leaving all my friends behind. Uh, <laughs> and Okana's like, yeah, you know, it's not like that, but maybe... And he makes him feel bad enough for like after 30 seconds of uh so the, he goes to the bridge and he tells Picard he's going to surrender himself. And Picard brings the conference call back up and uh, tells him it's difficult communicating this way. So maybe you should all just come to the Enterprise so we can have this meeting face to face, which isn't really that difficult. It's a fucking conference call. It's not that hard. Yeah, fading. It feels like it'd be harder to get everyone onto the fucking ship and make sure things go smoothly rather than just doing a, a Zoom call. Yeah, I guess Picard's just old fashioned that way. He wants to just yeah. have everybody old fashioned. He's like he, old fashioned to him is, is like just Zoom at this point. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe, maybe they will all be caught off guard by not being in their own ship. And they'll oh. be like, oh, well, I'm trapped. Neutral. I'm trapped here with Picard, who is a very scary man. Yeah, I mean, it's a more neutral setting, so it does make sense. And they all agree to it. Right. And all four of them, uh, Debin, Kushal, and their children, uh, Yanar, and Benzin. Benzin. Is that his name? I don't know. I knew Yanar. I did not remember the dude's name at all. Yeah, Yanar and Benzin, uh, they all come aboard. Uh, 
And as they're all transported aboard, Benzin and Yunar kind of glance at each other too. But he uh, he tells them that um, Okana, that is, between the two choices of being condemned as a thief and being forced to marry the beautiful Yunar, he'll happily choose the second one. And Benzin is like, no, you can't. And his dad's like, yeah, my son's right. You can't just escape this way. And Benzin's like, no, that's not what I mean. And so they they do this whole ruse to just make Benzin admit that he's the father of the child, that he, he's been in love with Yanar. He was going to ask her to marry him. That's why the jewel was taken. Uh, and she she told her father that it was Okana that had knocked her up because uh, if he knew the truth, she knew her father would go to war with the other guy's father. So they, she didn't want that. And uh, also Benzin's for the same reason, didn't want to tell his dad that he he took the jewel to give to her, her as a marriage present for the same reason. So it was all kind of, was just caught in the middle of this whole Shakespearean I play. I can't believe our roguish guy never did anything wrong in his life. Yeah. No, dude, the first time I saw this episode, probably uh, I absolutely thought he totally knocked her up. Cause based on how he was <laughs> acting in that entire episode, he, right. every woman he met, like, of course he would do that. He probably does have bastard children all over. Yeah, that's the bait and switch, Merc. You got, you got played. <laughs> I did get played. He's actually the a good guy, and he was the just trick friends. is he's actually Valsell the whole he's... time. <laughs> he only kisses. They're just playing <laughs> patty cake. It's like Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Dude, that one woman when uh, Worf got him was in a bathrobe. Like they had just fought. she handed him his vest. <laughs> like they had she was just, just taking a bath. What's wrong with that? <gasps> they were taking a nice bath. He was massaging her shoulders while she was bathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very, very, very chaste definitely he wasn't just plowing everybody but um he was he was friends with both the children uh i I call them children but they're both like 20 or something i mean they're not they're young but they're not babies uh but he was friends with both of them and had been smuggling them back and forth to see each other and that's how the pregnancy happened and he was going to be taking the jewel over to her uh but she's she's pissed off now and is like blah blah i don't want to get married to anybody which (laughs) I didn't write down exactly what happens in that scene, but I thought it was really funny is they they learn that Benzin is the father and she says she doesn't want to marry him. And her, her dad's like, well, you're going to marry Okana then. Like, what? <laughs> I know. Like, what, where did Damn this it. come from? That, that was, this was never brought up. I thought he wanted to kill Okana. And I was like, no, you're going to marry my daughter. You're going to raise her child. Like, he what, really, what? really likes Okana. And he's like, I would like to have you as a son-in-law. Damn it. He, Even if I have to just, drag you back here. He just wants to have a wedding that he can go to. Yeah, he doesn't care who. He wants a father for his daughter's child. Uh, so, Aww. meanwhile, uh, back to the actual plot of the show. Data and Gaiden are at the holodeck, and Data yeah. intru- introduces her to the comic uh, that he learned the jokes from, and he wants to know how the joke went. Uh, the comic, and the Data tells him, "Oh, you know, it kind of flopped." Gaiden's like, "Yeah, it was. It was awful." Uh, I was all just me, the audience of one, and he's like, "Oh, well, that's the problem. You should always try out new material in front of a full audience." And so Data's like, okay, uh, and he asks the program or the computer to give him an audience. Program him up an audience. Uh, so back to Okana. Meanwhile, he's convincing Yunar, blah, blah, love him, in love with Benzin, blah, blah, probably marry him. It all works out. Happy ending. The end. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> just like fizzles he, out. I really wish that he actually got like a fun plot associated with him. Because again, I feel like that's the kind of character you could do something fun with. But no, it's it's very much just the, the boring, boring, boring early Trek plot. Early Trek plot. So yeah, he's a fun character for sure. Like they should have given him something, give him some Han Solo shit. Don't not this. Uh, it really just felt like really like a really B Shakespeare play that nobody knows. You know, like a really and crappy Shakespeare play. It, it it feels like a bad Romeo and Juliet. 
<laughs> yeah, really bad Romeo and Juliet. Um, so meanwhile, yeah. back to the real story. Data is uh, going out to do his set in front of the audience. You know, the, the comedian played by Joe Piscopo is giving him a warm-up introduction. Not really a warm-up, just like, hey, this guy is great. You're going to love him. He's uh, He didn't write down exactly all the stuff he says, but he's the android of comedy. What did he uh, say? I, wrote, I have a picture of it. The Lieutenant Commander of Mirth. Yes, that's what it was. <laughs> he's just the best. It's Data. So everybody's cheering for Data, and he goes out, and he starts he starts telling his jokes, and they're all hysterically laughing at him, and he's like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm killing it. I'm doing great out here. And Joe gives him a thumbs up from backstage, and Data <laughs> yeah. returns it, and the audience thinks that's hysterical, too, and they're laughing, and he's like, oh, that's weird, but okay. So he, he moves on to his next joke about, uh, when I was a kid, I was so ugly, and the audience, ah, ha, ha, he was ugly, ah, ha, ha. Uh, the parents had to hang a pork chop around my neck to get me to play with the dog. <laughs> the audience is still mm. laughing. He realizes that the holodeck audience will just laugh at anything he says or does. <laughs> it's very sad. And so will I. He he looks <laughs> like he's so dejected by the end. After, after the thumb, the thumbs up, he realizes oh, something's not quite right here, and then he just gets more and more depressed as he realizes more and more that the the audience is just triggered to laugh at. It, like you said, anything he does, and he's just mo- he can't even continue on the set. He just like is entirely done by the end. Yeah, he just has the computer turn off the audience and also discontinue the comic, and it's just him and Guinan, and he's like, oh, I want it to be funny. And he's like, well, why'd you, why'd you have to turn off the comic? I like that guy. Get him out. He fucked up, man. He gave him all these shit jokes. So Data killed him. <laughs> hey, you know there was the human cannonball that was hired and fired in the same night. <laughs> I like that joke. Um, it's stupid, but it's good. So he thinks maybe he should just reprogram the audience to be more accurate. And Guinan's like, "No, Data, come on." And and Data gives or Guinan gives her this. Uh, Guinan gives him this nice moment of saying, "You know, humor is not the end all and uh, be all of being human. You know, you're still you're still human enough without that." And Data says, "No, but there is something. Uh, no, nothing is more uniquely human than humor." And the two walk out of the comedy club holodeck. Which I don't but- know. Is does you think that's right? I feel like humans probably have a better sense of humor I'm, than most of the races in the galaxy. I haven't met any androids, so I cannot answer this. Have you met any aliens? I don't really have a point of comparison here. <laughs> it's it's a it's a pretty human trait to find I, things I, funny. I think I think th- this wasn't meant, and I'm probably wrong. I don't think this was meant to be like literal like humans as much as just like or organic like people in general like, just like humanity noise like, like noise yeah noise <laughs> <laughs> humanoids no I, but like ser- seriously though I, I don't think it was meant to be like humans specifically as much as just yeah again humanoids they're able to relate with each other with like you know comedy and ways to make each other laugh using you know clever dialogue and, yeah. and it's it's something that data truly doesn't like understand fully no, he doesn't. He, he's 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 too much a machine to actually get that that humor, that joke thing. Uh, but then they have this this scene where they're releasing Okana's ship off. They're on the bridge. They're releasing Okana's ship from the tractor beam. He's saying goodbye to him. He says goodbye to everybody. Wesley says goodbye to him, and uh, Okana just gives him a thumbs up. And Wesley then turns to Data and says, "Say goodbye, Data. Goodbye, Data." <laughs> hey, everyone laughs. Everyone laughed. They got a Riker chuckle. Riker and Picard laughed. Yeah, and, and Data's like, was that funny? And he, he looks it up and he's like, oh, it was a routine from some old comedians I didn't write down. Burns and Allen. 
Burns and Allen, yeah. And so he tries to do more, more of, I guess, Burns and Allen <laughs> oh, comedy. Oh, then there was the one about the girl in the nudist colony who nothing looked good on. And they're, they're not even, like, paying attention to what Data's saying. They're just trying to, like, molt, like run him over. Yeah, <laughs> All right, let's, about... let's get out of here. Come on, let's go. Yeah, Worf says, says... In the... Worf says something in the background, and, and Data says, go ahead. <laughs> hey, McFreeze, <laughs> McFreeze, you have to. Okay. Take my Worf, please. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought we were all about to fight about who said that one because it's I. I said they should have just called this episode "Take My Wharf, Please." Why, what fool named this the outrageous Akana and not "Take My Wharf, He wasn't please? even outrageous. He was just to get some guy with a lot of kissing. It was a very kissy guy. He had, oh, would you say, an outrageous amount of kissing? Mm, let's say abundant kissing. There's a I, lot of kissing. I, uh, I'd say it's rageous, not outrageous. It, it was pretty rageous. Anyway, that was the show. <laughs> that was the that was the episode of Star Trek. I liked that was it. The I, episode. I, it, it, it didn't sound as like it's hard to make it sound more entertaining than it was because a lot of the humor and a lot of, a lot of the fun is just seeing Data do wacky arm <laughs> movements and Data like, yeah. Data's I don't know. Data, Anytime Data is waving a cigar around and just moving his arms in the same way for like five minutes, I laugh every time. <laughs> and and okay. even like even the Okana stuff where he's just kind of interacting with the crew and like the the first half of him like being there, like that's like fun stuff where he's like, you know, you know he's kind of this weird charismatic figure. Like that's that's fun before the plot starts. Um, yeah, the actual <laughs> plot is kind of like, it, yeah. it almost feels like an afterthought. Like, we just need to have something happen here, so let's just make some shit up together. But really, this episode is about data and little need, comedy. We I need like 10 he, more minutes on this episode. <laughs> I feel like the episode honestly would have been better if O'Connor was just there as like a slice of life thing while data has his plot. Like, Yeah, if, if data was the A plot and O'Connor was just the trigger that kind of set it in motion because he yeah, didn't he yeah. accused data of not knowing what funny was. Yeah, and I, I think that would have worked Okana. out way better. Well, they could have just yeah. written Okana having more hijinks where he was making out with women, or he had to date two women at the same time, and it was a big yeah. farce. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, that that would have been great. We just get to get to, like, yeah, that would have been. He's fun. gonna ducking around the ten forward doing two dates at once in that classic. <laughs> 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 that would have been better. Uh, but uh, it's a, it was a good episode. I, I'm relieved that we're in the episodes that I can be like, ah, oh, yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, good it wasn't, episodes. It wasn't. It wasn't a, a top tier episode, but you know, it's not season one. So yeah, like Hayes was saying, this is like a really good season one episode because the production is also a lot better. Like we just have like that scene of Worf walking down the hallway. We had nothing fucking like that in season one. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it was just solid. It was a solid episode. Yeah, I you, liked it. I like when you just have some episodes that are you know they're they're just fun to watch. The episode they don't have to be. The best one ever. Yeah, they can't all be the best one ever. Sometimes they're just, uh, sometimes you get Data doing things with his arms. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll take Ba-dum-bum. it. Ba-dum-bum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let's see what episodes we have next year. It looks like. Next week. Uh, Merck, tell me if, you, if I should be excited. We have first, Loud as a Whisper. Hmm. I mean, it's <laughs> a fine episode. It's a fine episode. Uh, I don't like the guy that's in it. He creeps me out. Well, what about the schizoid man? That episode rules because that is a data episode. Uh, oh my <laughs> god. It's it's so good. We get some really powerful data believe. in that episode. They put 
three of the most data episodes in a span of four. It's so good. It is. Yeah, the next one's actually a Troy episode. Um, and, it's, and that's uh, fine. Uh... Yeah, it's fine. It's just... Um, it's not that Yeah. Bad. It's not that bad, but it's not, uh, it's not the schizoid, man. I'll tell you that. Let's think of the Troy episodes we've had so far. It was the one where she Do gets married to? and the one where she gets space raped. Well, she doesn't get raped in this one. But she does have a... All of Troy's episodes are like something romantic involved, I've noticed. Uh, I guess... The space, rape, the space rape wasn't really romantic. But... Well, no. it was still like an emotional like sort of thing where she gets attached to Space Child. Yeah. Yeah, and gets impregnated by Alien. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so it goes. But yeah, it's, it's a fine episode. I mean, I, I haven't seen it in a while, honestly. So yeah, I think I skipped it last time I was watching the show. So we'll see. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, next week we, we we that's it. Episode four, uh, loud as a whisper. Episode six, the schizoid man, season two. So tune in next week. If you have any emails, uh, or if you have any questions or comments, please email them to us at beamedasickbay at gmail dot com. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. Thank you, McFeast. Thank you, Hayes, for being here talking about the Star Trek. Uh, when we are gonna sign off, have a good week. Have a good week. See you next time. Bye.